And good morning. It is a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of GCR. That would make me Glenn, him Griffin. Busy day ahead of us as we discuss the move the Orioles made, the ones they didn't. Another outstanding win. Was uh, shaky at first, but another quality, solid start from Kyle Bradish. Anthony Slamtondaire. Nice. Ryan Mountcastle continuing to be the prime minister. Gunner, it was a great night. It was it just was. a great, great night of baseball as the Orioles clinch the season series against the Blue Jays, meaning they officially hold tiebreakers over both the Blue Jays and the Yankees. The Yankees one seems less and less like it's going to be relevant. Now the Orioles are up seven and a half games on the Blue Jays. Seven and a half games on the Blue Jays. Remember, the, like my only thought was, hey, like don't lose three out of four. Don't invite the Blue Jays back into this race because they look kind of scary on paper. Well, their big deadline acquisition was out there getting his brains beat in by Ryan McKenna. So, <laughs> and they're seven and a half games back. And the worst that it'll be when this series ends is the exact same place that it was to start the series. It's possible the Orioles could extend that lead. Looks like they nuts. should they, they should be able to. Well, I mean, at this point, to extend it from seven and a half, they'd have to sweep the series. But if they just finish it at seven and a half, if they just split these next next two games, wildly successful. It's insane. It's insane how they have just owned the Blue Jays this season. It really doesn't make sense. It was one of the things I was struggling with last night. Like the Blue Jays, I I can't even imagine. We've talked to Caleb Joseph a few times this season. It is hard to figure out why the Blue Jays aren't better than they are. And I tell you what, it's one of the reasons why I struggle with the limited move that the Orioles made. And it's because you just never know why one team that on paper is really good doesn't click, while another team that on paper is okay clicks. And you just never know if, for whatever reason, this might be the team that clicks the most of any Orioles team that you put out there. We're going to talk about Ryan. Uh, no, I was about to say Ryan Flaherty. I was about to do it. <laughs> talk about Jack Flaherty this morning. Cardinals play-by-play voice Chip Carey will join us. Yes, he is, of course, you know, the of the Carey lineage. He is the grandson of one Harry Carey. Um, we will also check in with Eno Saris, who... Tweeted something. It was interesting about the velocity from Jack Flaherty, and sort of said it's been one thing or the other with Jack Flaherty. He's either had his velocity up, and his numbers have been great, or his velocity's been down, and his numbers have been poor. And the tough thing is that his velocity's been more down. Yeah, there's been a lot. I'll get into. I've got a column coming about Jack Flaherty today too at PressBoxOnline.com. Also this morning, we'll uh, check in with former Maryland star Lizzie Coulson. She's participating in Athletes Unlimited Pro Lacrosse uh, out in uh, Sparks at the USA Lacrosse facility. So we'll catch up with her, and we'll make a trip to Aberdeen. Jack Verbitsky will join us from the Ironbirds all this morning. It's also Would You Rather Wednesday. Those scenarios are up right now at uh, Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter or Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. And uh, we'll get into those a little bit later on in the program. Um, the important thing that we have to get out of the way at the top of the program, are we allowing Andrew Stecka to have cheese on his worm burger? Oh, man. Maybe we should call Stecka. Just call, 
All right, we'll do that later in the hour. Later in the hour, we'll do that. I don't even know if when he's flying in. Like it might be that he's on the plane today. I give him a text heads up. At some point, we probably should have checked in. Uh, yeah, you could text him. You could say, "Hey, we're thinking about calling you later this hour. (laughs) Like we have some things that we want to discuss with you." We also don't know who he wants to stink face or or get stink faced by, and do the worm too. We need that person here. Well, yeah. I mean, like if if it was somebody else, if it's not one of uh, one of us. Then yeah, we gotta see if like Z- Zalas can come in to be a part of that. If he really, you know, if, and Paul Valley's a handsome man. If he really wants Paul Valley's uh, keister in his face, then we gotta see if Paul's available. He's got things to do. He's a busy guy, so we gotta work on that. If uh, that's what Andrew Stecker wants, yeah, we should call him. Right. Um, uh, sorry, I got sidetracked. Obviously, the big story of the day is, of course. The Orioles did get one deal done before the deadline, and it's interesting. We should have probably pulled the audio. That's You know what? These are producing things. We should have pulled the audio of what Tim Kirkshen had to say about Jack Flaherty because it was really interesting yesterday. See if you can't find it quickly because it was damn near the end of the interview. I found it last night when I was writing my column. It was the last thing we talked about. We talked about all the guys that I wanted, right? Like in the descending order. It was like, let's talk about Justin Verlander. Let's talk about the uh, Tigers pitchers. What a weird bit from Eduardo Rodriguez, by the way. What a bit. If you thought the Adam Jones thing was strange a couple years ago, that's one of the strangest things I've ever seen. What a bizarre. Anyway, we'll get, that's not neither here nor there. We talked about all those guys. We talked about, you know, my sadness about the Padres not dealing anyone. We talked about all those things. We talked about the Orioles strategy. We talked about all of it. And then right at the end, I said, is there anyone else? anyone else at all that we haven't discussed this morning that you think we should be thinking about as we move towards the deadline this afternoon? One other name that's worth considering. And wouldn't you know that the first words out of Tim Kirkchen's mouth were Jack Flaherty. Which is a reminder of why it is that it's so valuable to be able to have someone like a Tim Kirkchen spend some time with you on deadline day because he's Tim Kirkchen. He knows things. We're dopes. He's Tim Kirkchen. So that's the reason why we wanted to have him on. And we didn't know it was going to work out, that it was going to come on deadline day, but God bless him, good guy, he decided to do it. So I, you know, I posed this question. Did you find it? You got it? So, yes. All right, well, okay, let's, let's, let's see if it works. This is from GCR yesterday with uh, Tim Kirkshen of ESPN. Appreciate the time. Is there a name that, that I haven't brought up that you would say, you know, don't ignore this person today as a possibility? Well, the Jack Flaherty situation has me completely confused. Look, I know he's a free agent after the season, but I also know that three years ago that guy was great. Mm-hmm. He wasn't just good. He was great for a short amount of time. And I just refuse to believe that he's lost whatever he had and it's not coming back. So if I'm a team and I'm dealing with the Cardinals and they're not asking too much, I have to take a run at Jack Flaherty and hope that he finds whatever he has lost here this year and in previous years with injuries and everything else. Um, he's, he's an intriguing guy to me. Uh, his velocity's down. That's not a good sign, but uh, he's such an athlete. He's such a competitor. Uh, I don't understand why he's not better, and maybe he would get better if he went to a new team, fresh start, 
and uh, someone found something in him that he has lost. And to the point there you go. There's uh, Tim Kirkshin yesterday. Almost pathetic, right? <laughs> like it's unbelievable. By the way, apparently I'm so worked up about Jack Flaherty that I called Kyle Verbitsky Jack Verbitsky earlier oh, when we were talking about who's going to be on the program. Yeah, my bad. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I got. Everybody knows. Yeah, I called Ryan Jack. Flaherty, I called Jack Flaherty. Ryan Flaherty. Jack Verbitsky. And then I made. I don't know what's going on. We this know. Morning. We know what you mean. I'm really starting to wonder if there was a stroke that I just <laughs> somehow wasn't aware of. I'm starting to wonder because that old brain ski's struggling. Um, when after and again, my column's gonna be coming today at pressboxonline.com, and I'll do the thing that I always do where I give away the entire column, and then I beg you to read it anyway. <sighs> after we talked to Tim Kirch, and if you were listening yesterday, Griffin and I were like looking at the numbers, and we're like, "He's Dean Kramer. <laughs> like, what are what are we doing here? He's Dean Kramer. The numbers say he's not an upgrade over anything. He's." Dean Kramer. I understand the points that were being made by Tim Kirkshen. I understand the thought that, um, you know, he's he's been really good. I uh, just don't know when, why, where, any of those things. You can get that out of him again. I was unmoved in the immediacy but let me walk through the entirety of it. The entirety of it is as follows. The Orioles, both for practical and esoteric reasons, had to make a move. Practically, they had to do it because someone has to start tomorrow. They need a starting pitcher tomorrow. You hope that they're comfortable with Jack Flaherty getting through customs in time. Being He hasn't pitched since July 26, so he the rest isn't a factor. You would like to hope that they're good with Jack Flaherty starting tomorrow because they need a starting pitcher tomorrow. The practical is they needed a fifth starting pitcher until John Means, at least until John Means. I don't know who would have been that guy. If they're committed to Tyler Wells not being a starter for at least a while and moving into a bullpen role or whatever it is they're going to do, I'm not going to eliminate the possibility of Tyler Wells making another start, but it seems like they're pretty committed to deloading or whatever the F you want to call it. How the, By the way, how funny is it that all of a sudden D.L. Hall's a thing? Like the exactly. same day I mean, as the trade deadline. They're like, oh, by the way, D.L. Hall back to an affiliate. What's going on? He's a reliever now. Why? What? What? And, and like, what is this? Like, I guess is maybe that's what they thought was going to be the solution all along. They I get a starting pitcher. Tyler Wells goes to the bullpen. They still believe D.L. Hall is and So they don't feel like they needed to do a dress bullpen because the plan all along was we were going to get a starting pitcher, and so we are going to have multiple guys that could be an answer out of the bullpen. I get, Maybe. I don't know. But practically... They had to do it. On top of that, they needed it to be someone that they could count on for innings because they have innings problems still with the five guys they have in the rotation. Tyler Wells wasn't the only guy with an innings limit. They're coming up on innings limits with other guys too. Now, nothing that we've seen from Kyle Bradish would suggest that they are going to be too concerned. I, I don't know where we are with Dean Kramer. But you would think that they're going to try to ease John Means in when he gets back and Grayson Rodriguez 
is already there. And it's just back into the rotation. There are going to be innings problems. Practically, they had to do something. And Jack Flaherty, for whatever his warts might be, qualifies as something. Even if he's not, even if this is what you're getting in Jack Flaherty, is a 4-4 ERA and a 1-5 whip. Even if that's what he is, he's something. You can throw him out there and assume that he can give you innings. Maybe not dominant innings, but you can assume at least that he can give you innings. He's pitched over 200 innings in his career before now. It's been a few years because he's dealt with the pandemic and then injuries. But in 2019, between the regular season and the playoffs, he went over the 200-inning mark. So, bare minimum, you've addressed something with Jack Flaherty. The next question is, could it be better than that? That's the, that's the, I, I couldn't possibly know. I, I couldn't. I couldn't possibly know. I'll, we'll talk to, you know, Saras about it. We'll talk to Chip Carey about it. Everything will be brought up. Getting into a change of scenery. Um, the fact the, that the, the Orioles the, are yeah. competitive and it's a fun team to be on and you're going from being in a miserable situation to being in a really pleasant situation. The, the Chris left, Holtz effect? I, it, if there is one, right. right? Like We do think that the Orioles at least have some sort of eye for pitching. I'm not really willing to go to special sauce the way that we were flirting with it earlier in the year when Yenier Cano was dominant. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, but maybe there's something there. Add in uh, a right-handed pitcher in Camden Yards the way that it looks right now. Not that you know he's been tattooed by home run balls this season. The home runs haven't been the problem, but maybe he's more willing to make certain pitches because he has less fear about giving up a home run. Any of those things could be helpful. Could be. What gets you to a higher level of Jack Flaherty than what we've seen so far this season. But can I bet on that? No, I can't. The only thing I can bet on him being right now is a guy. That's it. That's all I can give you on Jack Flaherty because that's all he's been. He's a body. He can get you through innings. He's it's kind of Kyle Gibson Redux, right? Like it's a veteran. You don't you don't think he's just gonna get his ass kicked? Although he's gotten his ass kicked mm-hmm. a few times this season. You you don't you're okay with it. As pitchers go, fine. But you had to pay a real price. I'm not trying to oversell it. it Losing any one of Cesar Prieto, Drew Rahm, or Zach Showalter is not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. But to pay the price of all three for a meddling rental pitcher seems kind of wild. It does. But that's the reality of what pitching costs. And that's the reality of what everybody was saying about how much it was going to cost to get a even one of the Tigers pitchers. The reality was the cost of pitching was high. And, and this is the thing that we always talked about but kind of went away as we were getting excited about big names. The Orioles were always going to have to pay a tax. We have talked about it ad nauseum. 
their strategy of drafting bats, position players, and almost completely ignoring pitching early in the draft has done them quite well. It has created one of the most exciting young nuclei of position players that we've ever seen in Orioles history. But it has left them in the situation that they're in pitching-wise. They're having to pay a tax. Because every team they were trying to trade with knows. Every team they were trying to trade with was aware of the depth of what they had. And no one was just going to say, look, you want to be frustrated that the the Astros were able to swing a Justin Verlander trade despite not having a single top 100 prospect in their system? Be frustrated about it. Now, I didn't dive into all the monetary details. I don't know how much the Mets ate and and what the trade-off was there in order to make it happen. But it's the reality of the Orioles having stockpiled all of this talent. Every other team knows. And every other team wants in on it. And the Orioles, by virtue of not growing the arms, as a former general manager would have said, are forced to have to pay a tax. It's not the end of the world, but it's the reality. And it's the reality that if they don't win the World Series this year, it might be because they weren't willing to pay a more significant tax. And if they don't win the World Series this year, they might have to pay a more significant tax in the offseason. Because, like, the type of pitching that you want ain't cheap. It ain't cheap for anyone. It's particularly not cheap for you. It's a... It, it's it's not even like I'm being critical of it. I, I'm, I'm pleased that the Orioles have stockpiled this much talent. But do I believe that they're closer to winning this year's World Series? No. I mean, that can change. If in a month, Jack Flaherty is the guy that we saw in 2019, then maybe I will be. But we got to see it. Today, I don't believe the Orioles are any closer. Today, I believe they kind of did the bare minimum of what they had to do because, again, they needed someone to pitch on Thursday. They paid a tax for that. But they're going to have to pay an even higher tax to try to get a World Series winning difference maker. We can continue to hope that the trajectory that we've seen from both Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez combined with a returning John Means can lead to a pretty solid trio at, at the top of the rotation a year from now. But is that enough to make the difference in the playoffs? Or will they still need one more true top-of-the-rotation playoff experience ace. I'm inclined to think that. And if they do, they're going to have to pay significantly, whether that's for a free agent with significant money, and I get that that would be more desirable than giving away more prospects or pay via trade. 
as of today, we still have a lot of questions about the guys that you didn't trade away and what role do they fit. There's no reason for Connor Norby to still be a minor league baseball player right now. But there's no other option any longer. You're not dealing him in order to improve your team because you can't do that. Those things didn't go away. And again, they're good problems to have. Someone might get hurt. Knock on all the wood that I can find. Someone might get hurt, and you'd like to still have more options. I think we can have the conversation about whether or not Joey Ortiz should be on the roster. We can can talk about those things till the cows come home. But they still have a glut of prospects and real questions about whether or not they have places to play them moving forward or roles on a major league team moving forward. So we'll see. We'll see if they're willing to pay a more significant tax for that type of difference-making arm moving forward. But what they did do was acquire Jack Flaherty. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, um, let's find out a little bit more about the Orioles' newest pitcher. Joining us now, play-by-play voice for the St. Louis Cardinals. He is a longtime friend. Mr. Chip Carey is back with us now here on GCR. Chip, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. My pleasure. Good morning. Um, Chip, I I imagine it's been a difficult season in St. Louis. I imagine nobody's all that surprised by any of the moves that were made. What was the reaction specifically to what the Cardinals were able to get in return for dealing a couple of months of Jack Flaherty? Uh, well, to your point, I, this is a season nobody expected, and frankly, the Cardinals fans have not had to do this in a long time. They've only had five losing seasons going back to 1990. Must be nice. And this will probably be their, this will be their first one in 16 years. And to put that in perspective, with school about to start in so many places, every seventh grader in St. Louis has never experienced a losing year of Cardinals baseball. So this was quite a shock, uh, not only to them, but to those of us who are new to the place. But to your bigger point, I think once they got off to the slow start and once they never really gained any traction, they knew that they had to, as John like said, swallow the poison pill and trade away instead of add to this team. And in doing that, they traded Jordan Montgomery and uh, Chris Stratton to the Rangers, Jordan Hicks and Paul DeYoung to Toronto, and of course you guys got Jack Flaherty. Uh, but to more specifically answer the question you, you asked, nobody really knows. Yeah. I think you have to wait a couple of years to figure out what the return is going to be but what the Cardinals set out to do was acquire depth in their minor leagues, guys with strikeout stuff, and guys with the opportunity to get to the major leagues probably within one calendar year. And I think, by and large, Mo was able to do that. And I and that I guess maybe what I was asking is I feel like that was a pretty good return for um, a rental of a pitcher that struggled this season. Let, let's talk about that, right? We all know Jack Flaherty in his career has had times where he has been brilliant. But what has been going on? What, why has the velocity been down? Why hasn't he continued to be as consistent? And what really are the Orioles getting as they acquire Jack Flaherty? Well, you got to remember, Jack got hurt in 2019. He was probably on the way to winning a Cy Young Award. He was 8-1, had some shoulder problems, and really hasn't been the same since. We've seen flashes of that this year with the Cardinals. In fact, if you looked at his overlying numbers, 
if you take away, well, if you look at his starts this year, if you account for five of those starts, that's accounted for 30 of his 54 earned runs, five starts. One of them was a 10-run blow-up, and that's when uh, the Cardinals had their, their uh, come-to-Jesus meeting, if you will, with Wilson Contreras and the pitching staff. Uh, early on, neither he nor Miles Michaelis uh, pitched particularly well. I think if you look at Jack's numbers, it's the first couple of innings. Sometimes it takes him an inning or two to ease into the game, and by that I mean he just has to find his rhythm and find his feel. The way he's gotten out of those self-induced troubles, most of them via walks, has been an exceptional ground ball rate. He's only given up 10 home runs this year. He's he's, uh, picked up 16 double play balls behind him, so he knows how to use his defense. He has a mid-90s fastball that he will change speeds with. He has an excellent breaking ball, a knuckle curve that he will throw. It's a very, very good out pitch. But when Jack is rolling, he's as good as anybody. When he's not, it's a big pitch first inning. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of uh, intensity, a lot of high stress, and it's a four or five inning outing, which we saw four or five times this year for him. Is there is there anything to be said for change of scenery, new situation? I mean, he does. It doesn't seem like he was unhappy in St. Louis. I mean that. The tweet from Adam Wainwright was pretty telling about what he's meant down there. Like, I, it doesn't. Is there any reason to think that he? It's just a good time for him to get out at this point. Well, I, don't, I mean, the Cardinals weren't going anywhere, I, and I think you know, to the to the team's credit, I, I, I'm sure they probably talked with Jack at some point. I have no knowledge of this. I'm sure they've talked to Jack about an extension. And look, Jack was born and raised a Cardinal. Uh, this is all new to him. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't close the door on him or Montgomery perhaps coming back here in mm-hmm. St. Louis. And look, the Cardinals front office did all those players a great favor. They sent them from a team that wasn't going to compete for a postseason spot to teams that will. And that will possibly create a bigger payday for those players. It'll give them an opportunity on a bigger stage to show their talents. And if they get to the playoffs, shine in a postseason series and increase their value when it comes to postseason. From the organizational perspective, if you can't sign them now, you might as well move those assets to teams that have need and are willing to pay, especially in this market, where pitching was uh, so, such in such short supply, and stockpile your system, which was really, really bare when it came to uh, pitching uh, pitching prospects with strikeout-type stuff. So it's a win-win for everybody, but I wouldn't preclude anybody from uh, re-signing with the Cardinals because this is, as you know, a very special place to play. Chip Carey is with us here on GCR. We're talking about New Orioles pitcher Jack Flaherty. Um, Chip, is is there a world where you could see that, despite you know the up and down nature, that the Orioles get to Game One of a playoff series, and that's the guy that they put on the mound, given his experience, and you know some world where it just this he he spends the next couple of weeks looking a little bit more like the good version of Jack Flaherty. I wouldn't put anything past Jack Flaherty. This guy's a competitor, and all I can tell you in the limited amount of time that I spent with Jack as a Cardinals announcer, which is three and a half months, uh, there was a really telling story about him. Uh, of all the Cardinals legends that have pitched for this organization, there's one guy in particular that really admired and liked Jack Flaherty's intensity, the way he went about his business, and the way he pitched, and the way he commanded the middle of the diamond. And that's Bob Gibson. If you're in the respect of Bob Gibson, that speaks volumes to who you are and what you can do on the mound. And uh, I think if Jack is uh, allowed the opportunity and settles in and does that kind of stuff, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that he can go on a great role for anybody. Uh, certainly in Baltimore with that good, young, exciting team and a good offense that catches the ball uh, defensively behind him. Uh, look, he could be a terrific pickup under the radar for the Orioles. And you're right, veteran guys in postseason play, when guys haven't done that before, that's a very, very valuable thing as well. Now, let me go back to that tweet from Adam Wainwright, which which really did. I mean, this is Adam Wainwright that we're talking about, right? Um, what, what was his relationship like with the guys there? How important was Jack Flaherty in that clubhouse? And 
this is a, like it, it's funny because as we've talked about what the Orioles might do at the deadline, one of the things we talked about is like, hey, this is working right now. You don't really want to rock this. Um, is there any reason to think that he won't fit in seamlessly here in Baltimore? No, I have. He was, as far as I was concerned, and from what I could tell, he was a great teammate. I never heard anything bad said about Jack Flaherty. Uh, I'm, I'm not on Twitter, so I have no idea what tweet you're speaking of with regards to Adam Wainwright. What I do know is that uh, you know Jack was born and raised a Cardinal, and he grew up in the Cardinal way. We know all about the Orioles way. I'm sure in many ways that will be seamless, and I have no doubt in my mind that Brandon Hyde and Freddie Gonzalez and the rest of the staff there are going to welcome him with open arms. And if Jack pitches the way that Jack uh, has shown he can pitch in, in the majority of his starts in St. Louis. I think the fans of Baltimore will be very, very happy with the, the young man they've acquired. For those that don't know, uh, Adam Wainwright did send out a tweet last night. He was basically doing like a prom pose picture with Jack Flaherty and said, going to miss these guys. <laughs> we sent some good ones out this week. Been with this guy, Jack Flaherty, for a while now. Orioles, you're getting a winner. And so that was, uh, you there know. You go. Yeah, yeah, right. And, Not- and, that, and that sums it up. Look, you know, like I said, Jack's been with one organization. This is all new to him. It's going to be a culture shock for him. And I think we forget that these guys are people, too. Uh, these guys aren't just uh, guys with numbers on the backs of their jerseys making millions of dollars. This is an emotional thing. And, uh, you know, I think he, was, um, uh, he had come to grips with the fact that this team wasn't going to win this year and that the Cardinals were going to utilize their free agency resources as best they could to build for a better future beginning quickly next year. And unfortunately for Jack, as far as the Cardinals were concerned, for the rest of this year, he's not going to be a part of that, but he goes to a place that has a chance to win, and I think that's a good thing for both sides. No, I think it's a good thing for both sides, too. It is, I, I, I'm going to go specifically, because it's not like the home runs have been an issue. A lot of people have brought up, you know, any right-handed pitcher coming to Baltimore now has the benefit of an extended wall and what they're calling Baltimore, but it's not like specifically home runs have been the issue with Jack Flaherty when he's been bad this season. However, could you see a scenario where, like, he maybe makes different pitches because he has this added boost of it being so much drastically more difficult to give up a home run now in Baltimore this season. Well, my partner Brad Thompson, my Brad, my partner Brad Thompson talks about that all the time. Not just in the in the uh, uh, realm of the ballpark dimensions, but your outfield defense. If you look statistically mm. at what's happened with the Cardinals' outfield this year, they've had one of the worst outfields in the major leagues, not mm. just uh, in the National League, but in all of baseball. That does change the uh, the way that you approach. It does change the calculus of your game plan. It does change the back hitters because if a ball is going to be completely expected to be caught, and a lot of times in St. Louis, both on the infield and outfield, it hasn't been. So to your point, yeah, I would think if as he gets used to that ballpark, pitch aggressively, pitch inside, and go get these guys and utilize your defense, which is terrific, and utilize those dimensions in Baltimore, which are very friendly for right-handed pitchers, and go get them. And when Jack is on the attack, as any pitcher in the major leagues is, he's usually a lot more effective. All right, we, you're starting to sell me. You're starting to make me feel like I, not that I was down on it as much as like I'm just confused because I don't understand why he hasn't been more consistent. And I, I'm well, hoping, he's, like I said, he's he's coming off injury. He's coming off injury, and when guys hurt their shoulders, that's a big deal. He's had an oblique problem. He's had a shoulder problem. That was years ago, and it's taken yeah. him some time to come back. And as we've said this year, there have been flashes of 2019 Jack Flaherty. There have been flashes where what the heck's he doing out there? But a lot of that was defensive related. That was catching related. Uh, and I think the best of Jack Flaherty is yet to be seen. I hope that you, I sure, we sure as heck hope that you're right about that, Chip Carey. It would be <laughs> great news for us here in Baltimore if that ends up being the case. Chip Carey, really appreciate it. Uh, we're looking forward to getting to know Jack. And obviously, you know, it's a, while you got, while you walked into a situation where they're used to it in St. Louis, 
this has been really special for us up here. So we're hoping. That, yeah, enjoy uh, the ride. That's the, that's the fun of baseball, and that's what makes it fun when new teams start to, to to have dominant seasons. It's great for the sport, great for Baltimore. And hey, we'll see you guys in a month. We're up there in September, right. so maybe it'll be Flaherty against the Cardinals. That'd be a lot of fun. All right, Chip Carey, really appreciate you, man. Thanks so much for spending a okay. couple of minutes Anytime. with us. Take care. Chip Carey, uh, play-by-play voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, with us here on GCR. Um, a couple things in there, right? Like, if it's specifically about the injury, I, I don't know what the Orioles can harness there. It, it, you worry that if you're now a couple years removed and you're still dealing with it, and that's why the velocity's down, is it gonna change? I don't know. I'm not the. Uh, I'm not a pitching. Magi- Maybe we should ask a pitching ninja to come on with us. It's not even a joke. Maybe we should ask if he would come on tomorrow if he's got any insight about it. I never know. I don't. I don't know what kind of insight he has. I just dig his videos. That's all. If he has, I really would reach out and say, "Do you have any insight about why he hasn't been better? Better? Because if you do, we we would like to know. Um, if that's what it is, then." I I guess I'm I'm less inclined to believe that you can harness really good Jack Flaherty consistently for the next couple of months. If it's that combined with the mental and the, the points that he just made there about the defense are relevant. And hopefully that it, it seemed encouraging what Brandon Hyde had to say about you know, Aaron Hicks, but more importantly, Cedric Mullins yesterday. If you can get Cedric Mullins back in a couple of weeks, that goes a long way into feeling confident that you can throw certain pitches. And if part of the issue that Jack Flaherty has been dealing with was the defense behind him, then yeah, you'd like to hope that sooner than later, and we'll see what the Orioles do right now because, you know, McK- there's a limit to Mc- with McKenna. <laughs> like, there's got to be. There's got to be a limit with McKenna. But I don't know what the plan's going to be until Hicks and, more importantly, Mullins can return. Because I do think that Kowser's struggles are weighing on them. I-, I don't think that they are prepared to just cast him aside or altogether send him back just yet but there is a limit to that and it's seemingly starting to affect him in the field as well and that creates bigger problems so I you know that would be encouraging if it's just hey let him have more confidence in the defense behind him and he's going to make and you throw in that wall in left field and he's going to be more confident to make certain pitches then yeah that that absolutely could be something that could be different in Baltimore than it was in St. Louis. But I don't know which one is more significant, and even if he's confident but his velocity's down, and we'll talk more about that with Inosaurus later in the program, what are you going to get? I don't know. I don't know, Scoob. I certainly don't know. Would you rather Wednesday? Scenarios are up. Again, at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, we've uh, told you this week, but we are excited about having a new partner on board with us. Superbook is an official partner of Glenn Clark Radio. And 
We are hooking you up. $250, up to $250, in a first bet match from your friends at Superbook and your friends here at Glenn Clark Radio. All you got to do is use the code GLENNCLARK23. That's G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K, which I would like to hope that you would know. By the way, yes is the answer to that question. Okay. G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K, Glenn Clark 23. And we will hook you up. We will hook you up with that 200 up to $250 first bet match from our friends at Superbook. What else could you ask for? Maybe you've gotten involved with some of the other sports books. Maybe you've taken advantage of their offers. But Superbook, and of course you're familiar with the uh, Superbook um, Sports Bar and Lounge that they have there at Camden Yards. They're an official partner of the Orioles, who, you know, we like too. They've got this great deal for you, but you can only take advantage of it, again, with that code, Glenn Clark 23 match up to $250, your first bet with Superbook. Encourage you to check that out, superbook.com. Use that code, Glenn Clark 23 um, did you did you hear from uh, Seca or is maybe he on the plane? Yeah, or? he didn't give a he he he's he, you know he referred to this thing that you know a life that he has. Is he at work? Is yes. that what he said? Yes. Well, when's he coming in? Uh, I mean, I guess tonight. I I'm not sure. Do you want to keep asking him? Well, I mean, keep, I keep grilling him. I just want to make sure he's going to okay. be here. Well, like he I am. I, I did mention him being here tomorrow. We're going. He didn't, we're he didn't going. Shoot okay. That down. We're going through a lot of down. hoops to make this all happen. <laughs> I text him back and say, hey, two questions. One, would you prefer? Hang on a second. Let me get this. <laughs> For those that are unaware, tomorrow, I, I say no to the cheese. You know what? No, you're you're declaring that. I almost my want, vote. My vote. I almost want to know what he says, and then do the opposite. Like, okay. does he want? Because might he might say like, no, okay, that, so I'll just text him back. Cheese, okay. would, cheese okay. would, and that would be gross. I don't want that. And then we put the cheese on it, gotcha. right? Yeah, that's kind of what I want to get. We got, we got a few leftover craft singles back there. Oh ready to go. god. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we melt it on there. <laughs> oh. Oh, I start to feel something in my stomach when you say those words. All right, so he suggested cheese and toppings. Oh, he suggested it. That's what, or, no, that's what Tim, Tim and Bel Air oh, okay, suggested. Okay. So what I'm saying is you ask Andrew Stecka, would we you want something on the worm burger? Would you want cheese? And would you want any sort of toppings for the worm burger? And if he says no... Then we put them on. If he says yes, then we don't. Right? We just do the opposite of whatever he asks for. Okay. Isn't that the correct thing to do here? That does seem. That does seem like. I mean, and, he's a loser. So. And yeah. we also need to know who he wants to perform the worm, deliver the worm to, and then get stink faced by. We need those answers. Okay. These are pressing questions okay. for those that are unaware of what we're discussing. <laughs> and our friend Andrew Stecka, who I believe still does stuff with Utah. Maybe he just does the podcast now, the, the soccer podcast, Tottenham, Tottenham podcast, or Tottenham Depot, hot, is hot Pod, or I don't know, whatever. I, I, I don't, I'm sorry. I love the man, but it's just not my area. I don't, I don't, I'm not a Tottenham guy. So uh, Andrew lost our, significantly lost our uh, yearly football picks contest last year. And the price that he has to pay is he has to fly home to Baltimore from Arizona, where he lives now. Well, that's, that sounds like a reward. Well, he wanted to come in for the uh, Orioles, uh, the uh, the World Series celebration this weekend. He wanted to be here for that, too. So he's got to fly home. He's going to have to consume this worm burger. He's going to dress as the worm Dennis Rodman. 
he's going to perform the Scotty Too Hottie worm, and then he's going to get stink-faced Rikishi style by someone. Now, our friend Tim from Bel Air has kindly offered, and I know he's a very busy man this week, but yet he is going to come in tomorrow morning to cook I don't, I don't <laughs> know, this worm burger. Prepare. He's got the worms. He's got a plan. Tim is Tim spearheading is an amateur chef. Like you watch Tim's social media during the football season, and you're just blown away by what he's preparing on game days. It, it's amazing. Now he's also been involved with a few of these uh, over the years. These these punishments that we've had, like he prepared the bull balls that I had to consume a few years ago, and I still am not right from that experience. <laughs> He offered, or we, we, I think, volunteered him for, and he said thumbs up to preparing this worm burger. And in a weird way, I think he's excited to do it. Why not? Why wouldn't he be? Like, I, it's just, he's a weirdo. He's challenge himself culinary, culinarically. Culinarically? Is that a thing? Yeah. Culinarily? I, so. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he's in a weird way excited about doing it. So he's going to come in. He's going to prepare it. But we just need to get all the, we need to figure out all, tie up all the other loose ends. When it comes to this with uh, Stecca for tomorrow. So we're going to do that on tomorrow's show. When we come back in, touch on, um, the. we'll talk about the game last night because that was pleasant. And uh, we got a lot more to get into, including uh, chatting with Lizzie Colson, the uh, former Maryland lacrosse star. So that's all on the way on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest plebe class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Kowser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at ajmichaels.com. That's ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland Birdland. 
earn points all year long with the Orioles Clubhouse Rewards MasterCard, where your love of the game meets great rewards. Built for Orioles fans, you can earn once-in-a-lifetime experiences exclusively curated for card members. Plus, earn four times at Oreo Park at Camden Yards, three times on gas and travel, and receive 5,000 rewards points when you spend $250 in the first 90 days. Get yours now at Orioles.com slash Clubhouse Rewards. Terms apply. Use everywhere MasterCard is accepted. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything. I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. So, aside from the trade deadline, the Orioles do indeed get this 11-3 win last night and ends up being another quality start for Kyle Bradish, who, I got to tell you, after the second home run, was starting to... To have some real fear creep in, like almost the Tyler Wells fear, like the, oh, this is the wall. He's hit it. Like this is the, he was really good, but there was always a limit to how good he could be and how long he could be that good because, you know, he's only done this so much during the course of his career. Thankfully, he pushed right through that wall and ended up delivering them a very good start last night. Um, Kyle Bradish, of course, it kind of came out of nowhere last year, right? Like it was so, I don't want to say wildly unexpected because it's not like he hasn't been a thought of guy, but it was a mess to start the season. And all of a sudden, midway through the season, you started saying to yourself, ooh, this is a thing. But you're still talking about someone who's never pitched more than the 117 innings that he pitched a year ago. So we are one or two starts away from Kyle Bradish surpassing his career high in innings. Now I'm not get I'm not trying to say that they should start tightening with Kyle Bradish. They 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 can't do this with everyone. They don't have enough pitching to do that. But you're monitoring it. And if he's going to pitch on through to the postseason, start to think about how many how many starts that is now. Like if Kyle Bradish is going to start every fifth day, how many games are left in the season? It's probably like I guess like what ten to twelve. Yeah, starts. this is. Ma- I was to understand there would be no math. Yeah. So there are 107 um, games in. So there's 55. So you're talking about, let's just say there's 11 more starts. And however deep they go into the postseason. So let's just let's let's hope that it's on the shallow end. Let's say three. 11 plus three, 14 more starts. You're talking about adding. 70 or so more innings. That's significantly going past his career high in innings. 
hopefully he's ready for that. Hopefully he's ready to be ramped up. And I don't know what the appropriate number should be. And it goes back to what you know we were talking about the other day with um, Steve Johnson about Tyler Wells. It's about up to how he feels. Presumably, Kyle Bradish feels pretty good. But when he had a bad start last week, and it started out kind of rough last night. Not did start out because the first inning was kind of brilliant, right? He struck out the side in the first inning around the walk to uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but you can understand that. You don't want to give in to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But then after the two home runs, you were... So I think those nerves are going to be there for me kind of moving forward with Kyle Bradish. Like, I'm going to have that feeling of, oh, God, is he hitting a wall? As good as he's been, and he has been from, from day one till now, unquestionably this team's best starting pitcher. Those feelings are going to be in the back of your brain when Kyle Bradish pitches because you know he's now into, or he'll be moving into uncharted territory very quickly. Very quickly. Very nice that on a night where Felix Batista presumably was not going to be available, that the Orioles were able to get a win without needing him. And presumably goes right back to being available tonight. Great thing. You can't ask for more than that. On top of that, you get this sort of onslaught, aggressive base running, insane decision by the Blue Jays to walk Austin Hayes in favor of Gunnar Henderson. I, I, I don't, I don't care enough that I maybe you know I'm sure they were asked about it afterwards, and I'm sure, I, I, I get it. You can say we wanted the lefty, the lefty lefty matchup. After as as if Gunnar Henderson yeah. hadn't just hit a home run lefty lefty, but it's so much beyond that. Like it's Austin Hayes. Wasn't Austin Hayes the only guy in the lineup that didn't get a hit last night? That is correct. Yes, he believe he went over four. Everybody yeah. else did have a hit. As as we pointed out, and I I don't like this, but Austin Hayes since the start of July has been Jorge Mateo. Has been unhelpful. It o- is offensively, offensively. Offensively, thank you. Bat s insane. To walk Austin Hayes in favor of anyone. Anyone at all right now. More or less in front of Gunnar Henderson, who's been, you know, arguably this team's best player for, eh. I, I mean, guess Anthony Santander has probably still been their best position player, but, like, you know, he's he's high on the list for some time. It's crazy that they would choose to do that. God bless them for it, but it's bonkers that that would be something that you would choose to do. I guess they're going to ride with this thing with Adley leading off? Like, yeah, I, I mean, guess that's going to be a thing? Unless, like, Mullins comes back and then he yeah, presumably settles it, in really well. Yeah, I would... I, but I until know. he... Yeah, I mean... I mean, look, I, they, they they mess with the lineup, they tinker with the lineup so much that you don't even want to... You don't want to settle into anything. Because for a little while, I think we had settled into the idea that Gunner was the leadoff mm-hmm. hitter. And there was no reason that you thought that they were moving Gunner out of the leadoff spot other than maybe the power bat had come so alive that you just didn't want him hitting as frequently with no one on base that it's not like Gunner did anything wrong to be moved out of the leadoff spot it's that I'm and I don't know I'm assuming 
The answer is, if you're hitting as many home runs as Gunnar Henderson has been hitting of late, you just want to have him in a spot in the lineup where it's more likely that he's going to have somebody on in front of him. I can understand that. So I guess that, you know, they're going to ride with this thing with Adley, who it kind of makes sense. He's a good on-base option. In in a world where there's no prototypical leadoff hitters anymore, I, I understand it. Just get guys on base, have good bats behind them, try to present scenarios for Gunner and Anthony Santander to have runners on base. It It's... It's not traditional, and it's a team. It's funny because it's a team that we thought early in the year was going to be all about speed, right? Like mm-hmm. we just thought this team was was built to be like run, 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 run. And really, since like April, mid-May, they yeah. Just well, haven't... I mean, since the demise of Jorge Mateo, yeah. and then combined with Cedric Mullins' injury, like that's not been the case. And so I'm not, I'm by no means opposed to Adley Rutschman being the leadoff hitter, given what your options are, and with the qualifier being that you're doing it because you want Gunnar Henderson on at the plate with runners on base more often because he's hitting a bunch of home runs. Just a real pleasant game. Just a real pleasant night of baseball. Uh, very quality victory. And an Orioles team that, you know, continues to sort of stun given that it's imperfect, but yet they continue to be the best team in the American League. Now the next question will be, how does Grayson Rodriguez follow up the best start of his career, right? Like, how how does he handle... T- tonight will be the opportunity. Not that, like, you know, any one start is the answer. But if Grayson Rodriguez backs up what he did last Friday with another brilliant start, boy, you really start to kind of freak out about his trajectory. It If Grayson Rodriguez you know, is only okay, or even if he's meh tonight, it's not like all of a sudden you go right back to, well, send him down. But there's the opportunity for him to go brilliant start against the Yankees, brilliant start on the road against another division rival, and let us start getting carried away. Then we'll have to talk about his innings thing, and that'll be a whole different separate conversation, and... You know, you'll deal with that when you deal with that. And and maybe part of the reason why the Orioles made the decisions that they made and that they didn't make at the deadline is that they recognized that if they added a different rent, if it, let's just say they were the team that added Lorenzen and whatever the, the cost would have been for that, they say, look, we don't really think that we can make up the difference winning a World Series because we just think that all these innings problems are going to prove to be too much. So there's a we want to do something but there's going to be a limit to how much we're going to pay to do that something, and this was the only thing they could do within the limit of what they were willing to pay. You can't say that out loud. You know, Michael Elias learned his lesson a year ago. You can't. He can't come out today and say, we wouldn't pay for Michael Lorenzen because it would have cost us this much more and we can't win a World Series anyway. You, you can't say that. But maybe it was part of the thought process. And just looking at all of the different innings things and saying, we think we can be good, but we don't know that we can be World Series good because we do think that ultimately we're going to run into it with all of these guys and how much they really have in the tank or when we might have to start making other decisions. Grayson Rodriguez goes for the Orioles tonight. All right, the Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. We've already started to get some responses in. We've definitely started to get a few of you that are, as I like to say, <laughs> kiling it up. 
Kyling it up. What did Kyle was, uh, do? Kyle always, would always try not to answer. He always try to manipulate his answer. Like, well, you know, you, you could do this, but also, like, no, no, no. You just pick one or the other. Um, I'll just run over the three scenarios right now, and then we'll get back into them a little bit later on in the program. Uh, Would You Rather Wednesday, brought to you by Birdland Sports. They've got a lot of new shirts available this week. They did a whole series um, of the mountain, um, Mount Fuji for uh, Fujinami, and, um, oh, God, what's the one for you in here, Cano? What are they? What are, the what, Rock. The Rock, thank the you. Rock. Jesus. The Rock. Yes. They did a whole series for those guys. That's available right now. The Frasier-inspired Frasier T-shirt that we suggested a couple days ago. That's available as well, all at BirdlandSports.com. One of you will win a uh, shirt of your choice from Birdland Sports just by participating in Would You Rather Wednesday. The scenarios today, would you rather the Orioles made the trade they made for Jack Flaherty or we can go back in time and they would have made a more bold trade paying a significantly higher price, say Jordan Westberg, Kobe Mayo, and Samuel Basayo for a controllable pitcher like Logan Gilbert, who was not dealt at the deadline. He was no, What were the deals that weren't? Obviously, the Padres didn't deal anyone. The Mariners didn't end up dealing anyone. There were a lot of rumors during the day that the Yankees were going to start trading away players. That was a very weird rumor that was floating around, but that didn't happen. And then, of course, the Eduardo Rodriguez thing, which is just as utterly... Like, imagine being in Detroit. Having a chance to go to a team that might win the World Series and being like, nah, I'm good. It, really? I, he's just really comfortable in Detroit. I, and they get I, like I you're a pending free agent. This go when you're a pending free agent and it's working and it's clicking. Sometimes you just say it's more important to me to make sure that it keeps working. It's working here. I want to make sure I get my money. I want to protect my money. I don't know, but bizarre, man, bizarre. Uh, would you rather, number two, would you rather the Orioles finally decide to get into the extension game now that the deadline has passed and they give an unprecedented eight-year, $200 million extension to Adley Rutschman or a 12-year, $300 million extension to Gunnar Henderson? And number three, would you rather have your partner tell you that they cheated on you with their boss? So sorry. Or, I'm not sure if you saw this news story this week, but your partner tells you, that they have spent $14,000 in order to purchase a costume that will make them a collie and they can go out on the street and act like a dog and be petted like they were a dog because that's their lifelong dream. That's a thing I, I that occurred. That Someone in Japan spent $14,000 to have a costume where he could go out and transform himself into a collie. That's a real story. So those are the Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios. They are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. We will uh, give our responses to them a little bit later in the show. Uh, last couple of weeks, and again this weekend, out in Sparks at USA Lacrosse, Athletes Unlimited, which is a really cool version of pro lacrosse. A lot very different about Athletes Unlimited. Joining us now, she's a significant part of Athletes Unlimited, Former Maryland star Lizzie Colson is with us this morning here on GCR. Lizzie, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you. Thank you for taking the time for us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to chat with you. Um, just before I get back into you and your story and everything that's going on, for people that are unaware of like what Athletes Unlimited is all about, because it's such a cool brand of lacrosse. It's so much faster. There's this individual competition. How would you explain to someone who's maybe never been out or watched it on ESPN what it's all about and why it's so much fun for someone like you to be participating in? 
Um, I think there's a lot to unpack there. It's really fun because it's super fast-paced and it's very player-based. Um, I think that, you know, they encourage us to um, play freely and be creative, and I think that that leaves a lot of opportunity to just, like, grow the game and get people involved in new ways. So I think in that way it's very unique. Um, and it's, you know, a lot faster than college um, because a lot of things – that would be called in college, you know, or allowed here because it is a professional league. So it's just a lot speedier and a lot more creative. And it's really cool because I know that there's this sort of subplot, and I was, you know, part of the broadcast crew for the World Championships last summer. There's this, like, subplot of lacrosse and the Olympics. And I, I got to imagine that, like, playing a different brand in a different style, there's this thought of, like, hey, look at, look at this can work. Like, this is cool. This is fun. This can work. Maybe consider adding our sport to the Olympics. Is, is that part of the thought process? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think also just getting lacrosse exposed to more settings, whether it's sixes or yeah. pro league, um, world games. Um, there's just so many ways to show the game and to – show that, you know, U.S. won't dominate, Japan's very dominant, um, England's great, Australia's great. So I think just, you know, making sure that it continues to grow in whatever fashion, whether it's sixes or, you know, normal tens, um, I think there's just a lot of different ways it needs to grow before it gets the attention. <laughs> I understand. I completely understand. Lizzie Coulson is with us. Of course, uh, Manchester's own Lizzie Coulson. Um, Lizzie, you've done, like, everything, right? You've won world championships. You've won national championships. <laughs> what drives you now at this point in your career? Like, what is it that makes you say, hey, I want to keep doing this, I want to keep playing? What is it that is you're still striving for as an athlete, now as a professional? Um, I think it's just that internal drive and that motivation. You never really lose that competitive edge once you have it and you unlock it. So I think a lot of it is just internal motivation to just keep keep growing and keep competing. Um, I also think it's, it's the love for the sport and to continue to grow the sport. Like right. I've been talking about, I think it's really important to give back to the sport that's given me so much. So um, if by playing I'm continuing to grow the sport, then I'm, I'm happy to do it. And, you know, it's still fun for me. It's a way to, to, to be active and be competitive um, post-college. So I think it's really great. But mostly, you know, I, I want to give back to the sport that's given me so much. And right now, playing is is the best way to do that. What does it mean to you to still be able to do it here, right? Like, I, you know, I, you've played all yeah. over the – but, like – it's still home. It's still got to matter to you. Uh -huh. Like, I imagine that you still have friends and family who, even after like all these years, are still coming out to games. What, what, what does yeah, it matter to totally. you? How much? Or how important is that? Yeah, I mean, just uh, last week, my high school coach is there. You know, I'm playing with a lot of my college colleagues and alumni and teammates, and so I think you know it's just been a part of my life for as long as I can remember, and to do it in my backyard where my parents can see me play, my friends can come, my formal coaches can come. I think that it's super special, and I'm really, really lucky to be able to do so, even, you know, the World Championships being in Baltimore as well. It's yeah. just something I definitely don't take for granted. No, I think it's really cool that it's continued that way. Lizzie, for the people that aren't aware of your story, right, like you suffered a pretty significant injury a couple years ago. Can you yeah. take me back yeah. to that and, like, the fears that you went through and maybe some of the nerves that went you went through and maybe did it give you greater appreciation on the other side, as we talk about why you continue to play, about how much you love the game and how important it is that you still have those opportunities to play. Yeah, totally. So super long story short, um, I was a junior in college and I was training with Team USA um, here right at our U.S. lacrosse facility. And um, I tore my ACL on the last training date. And, um, 
you know, as a, you know, going into your senior year of college, you kind of feel like you're on the tail end of your sport and you're kind of figuring out next steps anyway. Um, and so honestly, at that point, I kind of thought I was finished. I just thought that, you know, I'd, I'd do the rehab, I'd come back maybe for a fifth year, but that was really it. Um, I didn't really think that U.S. was going to be feasible anymore. Um, but like I said, that competitive edge got the best of me, and I, I really wasn't taking that as an answer. And so, um, you know, a year through COVID, through ACL, kind of came back and, and, and did what I had to do and surrounded myself with supportive people to be able to compete with Team USA again and um, earn a spot on that world championship roster. Um, and I think that, that, you know, where I am now, I can just appreciate it more because of the hard work I put in and, and the realization that life is, you know, there is more to life than just your sport. Yeah. And I think going through life up until 23 years old, I, I was really sport-driven, sport-focused, naturally, because that's, you know, how you're raised. And, yeah. and when this has been your whole life for so long, it's really all you can see. So I think, you know, looking back, I was really lucky to have a glimpse into life post-sport um, at the age of 23 and recognize that, you know, my value is not in sport and I have a lot of um, assets and I'm, I'm very valuable outside of sport. And I think that it took a, a season-ending um career-threatening injury to realize that, but, um, you know, it only made me stronger and made my drive, you know, that much tougher. And I think that I'm where I am now in terms of U.S. and pro and competitive edge on and off the field um, because of what I went through. So, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people go through season and career-ending injuries, and it's just kind of what are we going to do with it? How are we going to look at it? And how are we going to, you know, take this – and, and kind of turn it into like a have-to mentality to a get-to mentality. What, what do we get to do out of this? That's cool. It's, a, it's, it's cool to hear your perspective for that, right? Like, and again, you don't want to have to go through something like that in order to get that perspective. Totally. But it's cool to hear the perspective you have. Um, it, for playing, yeah. playing with Athletes Unlimited, uh, for those that understand, there's this individual competition, but yet you're on like the, a team when you play during the course of the week. What, what is that like, like having a different team, and having to work with them, but also knowing that, like, in the grand scheme of things, you're kind of competing against them. Like, how, how do you handle all of that? <laughs> uh, if you figure it out, let me know. Okay. I think we're, all still, we're all still learning how to handle it. I think that, you know, just it's very fast moving. We have, you know, a draft on Monday following a three-game weekend with one team. Then you draft on Monday and you're, you're, you're on a whole new team. And so you have two days to practice, and then you have three games with this team. And so – Learning how to mesh in such a short period of time is difficult, but, um, you know, we're all involved in teams and coaching staff and this and that our whole lives. So, you know, we're all very fluid and flexible in that. And I think that it's very unique in that way. Um, And you just, you know, you figure out your strengths and your weaknesses on the field and you come together with this team and then you, you put them together on the field. I think it just gets unique, you know, when you hear from one of your teammates one week that her strength is this. And when she's lining up to dodge, she's going to do this with her hands. Or when she wants her lefty alley, this is what she's using. And then the next week, you know, you're playing defense against her. And you can almost use that to your advantage because you just learned when you were on her team that this is what she likes to do. So it's unique in the way that you can kind of, you know, play to people's strengths and weaknesses, um, you know, whether you're on their team or playing against them. It's I, look. It's I am fascinated by it. And I've been – I have watched on ESPN and – I think it's really cool. I just feel like it would be very fascinating to like have that con- like there's got to be a moment where you're like, right, I could give the ball to her, but I also am competing again. Like there's got to be a thought process right. somewhere along the line. Yeah, there where, totally is. Right? I, I would say the whole league is is pretty calculated. Um we're all, you know, we're very team driven. I don't think any of us sure. would be here if we were right. individual based athletes, but 
at the end of the day, yeah, you're playing for your money, you're playing for your paycheck, um, you're playing for the leaderboard. So it definitely comes with, you know, a different mentality, I think, than when, you know, you're playing with your college team and stuff like that. And not better or worse, it's just definitely different. I understand that entirely. Um, we're not used to there being like four-year droughts for Maryland winning national championships. What? What? You need to go down and like make a speech. Like, what, what, how, how do you, as like an well, alum now? I handle... have a six-year. I got that six-year of eligibility sitting in the back pocket. <laughs> they can call you back, right? <laughs> they can call me back whenever they're ready. No, down. I don't know. They'll figure it out. I think that you know, it's just hard. A lot of other programs are getting competitive. No doubt. And, and they're catching on, and so I think. This is kind of how you're going to see lacrosse go in the future, which I honestly think is great. It just means that the sport's growing. And so I always want to see my Terps win. I'm always rooting for the Terps. But at the end of the day, this does mean that the, the sport is growing and it's yep. becoming more diverse and, and, and trickling into non-traditional areas. And so I, I hate to see the Terps lose. I'm always going to be a Terp fan. Um, and we want a five-year national championship run versus a drought. But at the end of the day, the sport's growing. And so looking at it that way, it's okay. We'll take it, but um, yeah, go Terps forever. <laughs> I understand that. Right, I'm going to put you on the spot for the last one. The 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 most difficult player you've ever had to defend in your life. Oh gosh. From oh, from gosh. from being a kid here to college, now playing pro and internationally, the single. Uh-huh. I'm I, I'm not letting you off the hook. You can't give a you know name everybody <laughs> answer. You got to give me one <laughs> one single most okay. difficult player to defend. Well, I'm thankful she was on my team for the actual games, but in training weekends. Um, Kayla Trainer, I'm going to have to say she was the hardest. You know, her stick work's insane. She has amazing field vision. She can dodge. She can feed. Um, she's just an absolute threat, you know, all around. So I think she's the hardest I've ever had to defend. But, again, thank God she's on my team. Right. For that yeah, that helps, because... right? That helps, yeah. no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very cool. Yeah. Uh, Lizzie Colson, what can we plug for you personally, social media-wise? Where can uh, folks be giving you a follow? Yeah, so I'm, I'm active on Instagram, Lizzie underscore Colson. Um, active on TikTok, I think it's ocols025. Um, pretty much all the socials that people are active on. Um, and then, you know, L. Colson Lacrosse is my own personal brand. Um, so very active in that for setting up camps, clinics, mental performance coaching, and uh, recruiting consulting all over the country. So um, pretty, pretty easy to find out there if you want to get in touch with me. Um, and I'm doing a lot of stuff with the PLL and the professional league with them. So awesome. kind of have my hands in a little bit of everything. And get out the Sparks this weekend, starting on Thursday night. Get out the USA Lacrosse to check out Athletes Unlimited, AUProSports.com to find out more. And uh, you can also watch on ESPN Networks, but get out and experience a really exciting brand of lacrosse. Uh, Lizzie Colson, great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Look forward to seeing you out there, all right? Thank you so much. It's Lizzie Colson, uh, one of the great defensive players in Maryland history and a part of Athletes Unlimited. Big weekend for lacrosse in the area is not only Athletes Unlimited going on, but as Lizzie just referred to, the PLL is in town this weekend. Uh, I was so invested in the trade deadline that I kind of forgot, and so we'll try to make up for that and get in touch and track some folks down before uh, the PLL comes to town this weekend as well. So um, big, exciting weekend for uh, lacrosse. I know the Orioles are really good in their homes. It's tough to measure all of those yeah. things like maybe saturday afternoon you, you want it you could plan it out this way thursday night the orioles play thursday afternoon so thursday night you could go out to sparks check out athletes unlimited lacrosse saturday afternoon you could go to homewood check out the pll and then saturday night you could be at camden yards 
So you could do all of it without missing a game, right? Yeah. It's an opportunity to check it all out. Sounds good on If I were a younger man that had no kids, that had no wife, that would be what my weekend would look like. I'm not, like, at a younger age, I was the do-everything guy, like, go out to everything. And I 1,000% would plan my weekend around that at a younger age. It's much more difficult now. I don't know that I'll get it. I'll, the only thing I know I'm doing this weekend is I am going to the Orioles game on Saturday night. I know I'm doing that. I would like to, say, go to Homewood on Saturday afternoon. I would like to do that. I would like to get out. To, I would like to do all these other things. The only thing I know for sure that I'm doing is Saturday night, the Orioles game. I know. I'm quite disappointed. I, I'm too busy this week because I'm working at the radio station, and then I, I also mm, agreed to dog sit sons for, of bitches. for two, ah. separate of, two separate friends this week. So I'm, I'm, It's kind of on you. It, I know. It's I didn't realize kind of a, what the, uh, I, I should have looked poor, way ahead. Poor like, choice. Uh, on. No, the Orioles are going to be really good. I, right, yeah. I can't you, dog what sit What are you doing you. exactly there? That's that's really a reflection of you yeah, and yeah, uh, really a reflection of you not understanding. Also, the PLL is going to be in town. I can't. Yeah, I really screwed that up. Hey, uh, if you missed it, Stan the Fan Charles, Luke Jackson, and Ross Grimsley got together after the deadline yesterday to discuss Jack Flaherty and, you know, other things that happened around baseball at the deadline. As far as non-Oriole stuff yesterday, clearly, like, the Verlander thing stands out as being, I guess, the biggest and I think fortifies the Astros. I, I hate saying this because the Orioles are the best team, but, like, again, on paper... I think fortifies the Astros ahead of the Orioles Plus as far as American. Well, I know the odds. Had, right. The odds always had the Astros and, uh, and and the Rangers ahead of the Orioles. And but I think to me, in in terms of like definitively, I I would I would agree that it makes the Astros and and the Rangers separated from the Orioles as far as the likelihood of winning. The American League and going to the World Series, right? And plus, obviously, the yes. Astros have yeah, not not bad to throw in Framber Valdez, then throwing a no hitter last night on top of it, and all the playoff experience and World Series yes. experience, that all of that too. Has, so, what a day, right? Yeah. Get Justin Verlander. I was, throw it. How many pitches did he throw? Like ninety three. Yeah, it was ninety three. Um, I was gonna save it for for the tidbit, but you know, it was the first no hitter, first solo no hitter the Astros have thrown since Justin Verlander right. in twenty nineteen. Um. And they yeah, had him back. Pretty so, good day. Yeah. Pretty good day to be an yeah, Astros not fan. Bad. Um, anyway, they discussed all of that, Stan, Ross, and Luke. You can find it right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab. Go to youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video in order to watch it. Still to come this hour, Enosaurus will join us, talk a little bit more about Jack Flaherty. But when we come back in, not Jack, Kyle Verbitsky from the Aberdeen Ironbirds. We will catch up with him as well. That's on the way. Glenn Clark Radio. Hmm? You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two ends in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports. Sports and that promo code Glenn Clark 23. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Hey, Birdland! Experience one of Oriole Park at Camden Yards' best values with the completely redesigned Pepsi All Inclusive Picnic Perch. With an updated brand and a fresh new look, enjoy exclusive club level access with left field club seating and an all inclusive food and beverage menu, including hot dogs, pulled pork barbecue, assorted Pepsi drink products, and more. 
Take advantage of this great deal now. Tickets start at just $45. Buy your tickets at Orioles.com slash Picnic Perch. Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of AJ Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one. 800 gambler all electronic tolling is here to stay in maryland and driveeasymd.com helps you cruise a little easier we're maryland's tolling resource home to easy pass pay by plate and video tolling it's never been easier to pay your way driveeasymd.com will keep you moving the orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball hi i'm paul valley host of the bat around for press box tune in every saturday from 10 a.m to noon as zach goodman and i break down every adley bomb every tony tater and every save from the mountain like a warm hug from rutschman the bat around has you covered with all things orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in birdland so tune in every saturday for the best in orioles coverage right here on the bat around Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest plebe class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Kowser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. That first sip. That first bite mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the program. It is time for us to make a trip up to Aberdeen to catch up with a member of the Ironbirds. Joining us now, you might have missed it. I think a lot of people were familiar that the Orioles uh, dealt Daryl Hernandez in to Oakland in order to acquire Cole Irvin, but he wasn't the only player that the Orioles acquired in that deal. Kyle Verbitsky, Verbitsky was also acquired in that trade, and of late up in Aberdeen, we started to see him make some longer starts, like work six innings, strikeout numbers have ticked up. Been a lot of really encouraging things from Kyle Verbitsky, who joins us now here on GCR. Kyle, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. 
No problem, Glenn. Great to be here. Yeah. Hey, man. It's good to hear from you. I, I, you know, what I just said as this season has gone on, inning numbers or pitch counts have sort of started ticking up. Strikeout numbers have started ticking up. How have you been feeling over the course of like the last couple of weeks, last month or so, as it seems like the the progress is getting to be pretty clear? Yeah, I feel uh, I feel really good. Obviously, um, you know, looking at it from a, a numbers perspective, it's definitely been a pretty good last uh, month or two for yeah. me. But overall, like I, I really just feel like getting settled in and and having kind of transitioned at this point over to everything we're doing in Baltimore. Um, it's just been a really fun process to go down. I think there's a lot of really good minds and good people in this organization and leaning on some of them for some of my player development stuff. And I think that maybe in the beginning, like going through that transition a little bit, it's a very different organization than what I was doing in Oakland. And I think just staying with that process has kind of led me to, to where I am now. And, and I'm really happy with the way the ball's coming out. And, and yeah, I'm happy. Um, the results have kind of, gone along with that process a little bit so yeah feel good. I, I wanted to ask you about that I want to be careful because I, I, I certainly by no means want you to you know take shots at anyone or you know say anything negative because I that's not what we do here but I, I wonder if you like in a way I know for a lot of like young players early in their career like the first trade is just horrifying right like you know th- just experiencing it the first time but to come from a situation that you know had as much uncertainty as what was going on in Oakland to an organization like Baltimore that it was kind of clearly on the uptick, what was, I'm, I'm sure it's still like a, a shock to the system, but was there an amount of like, oh yeah, that's exactly where I should want to be in my career at this point? Yeah, you know, it's it's actually amazing. There's uh, so many different angles to look at that uh, that trade from. And, you know, I, I have nothing but unbelievable things to say about the people I've met in Oakland. And sure. I think that's been a pretty pretty constant theme throughout my career in pro ball here is I've been surrounded by really, really good people, both with Oakland and, and now again here with Baltimore. Um, philosophically, I'd say the organizations have two like semi different, you know, uh, like opinions and ways to develop players. And, you know, I, rather than getting into which way is better or worse, I would say that both have, have challenged me in different ways. And I think both are going to help me over the course of my career. And, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, to get traded kind of that early in my career, um, there was a ton of uncertainty. In fact, I vividly remember that day um, kind of uh, just out of nowhere getting a phone call from obviously some pretty important people in both of those organizations and finding out the news. And I was like, that was the last thing I expected to happen. Um, <laughs> and, and so to, to come over to Baltimore, though, and I'm not sure how much you know about uh, my story. You're, but you're not, is, uh, you're from pretty close to here, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm about 50 minutes, uh, yeah. maybe an hour from, you know, where I grew up, where I went to high school and everything. And so to go from, I played about four months in the California league last year for the Stockton ports. I would say that geographically is about as far away from home right. as I could possibly get right. to, to now this year being, I mean, literally as close to, as close to home as I can get. It's yeah, it's it's been a world for me. So a lot of a lot of really positive things I think came out of that trade, both for my baseball career, but also for you know it being close to family and friends. And um, I have a girlfriend who lives very close oh, by. She's cool. actually from Maryland. A lot of her friends are Orioles fans. So it's been crazy to uh, to come home and to to have it be kind of the way it is. And, That's awesome. Yeah, very happy. That's awesome, man. That's really cool that it worked out for you that way. Um, Cog, could you could you tell us a little bit more? Again, not you know good, good, bad, indifferent, whatever. 
when you talk about some of those differences, could you could you tell us a little bit more about like what what was maybe going on with the Orioles and their development that was new or different for you or something that maybe challenged you a little bit as you stepped into this system? I think, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I don't think this is a knock on anything that the A's are doing, but I would say they're a very traditional group. Um, a lot of the coaches, a lot of the front office, a lot of the people have either A, been there for a, a pretty good bit of time, or B, I mean, like played, played at the highest level, had long playing careers, kind of got into coaching and you know, those were the, the pitching coaches I was working with. Those were a lot of the, the, you know, just coaches. And then coming over to, to Baltimore, it's a bit of a younger group, a much more kind of analytical and nuanced and, and really willing to go down whichever path for development is going to work for whatever player they're, they're dealing with. And in my case, like one of the first things we recognized coming in was like, okay, you know, it'd be great if I can throw a little bit harder. It'd be great if we can and sharpen up the slider. And right away those were some of the development goals we started tackling and i think now like four or five months into this uh season kind of from when we started you know a little bit before spring training was the first time i spoke with some of the guys from the org and right away we we got into the slider development and if you look at it over the last five months like that's been arguably my best pitch and Mm. so it's it's pretty cool to, Mm. to go down a development process with like people who are very driven to help you i feel like everybody has my back and and yeah i really feel good about the way the ball's coming out and i'm happy <laughs> i'm very happy being in baltimore that's cool kavrabitsky is with us here on gcr the Ironbirds are home this weekend taking on hickory post-game fireworks on friday 70s night on saturday and the adley rutchman mount birdland statue giveaway and then on sunday Military Appreciation Day, kids run the bases after the game. Uh, a great weekend to get out to Lighters Field at Ripken Stadium in order to check out the Ironbirds. I, I wonder, uh, Kyle, as, as they're having you focus on your slider, is it the type of thing that, like, at first you're nervous, you're reluctant, like you're in-game? Would we look at maybe some of those early starts and and say, hey, I was I some of the struggles – were really about me trying to force myself to throw sliders in certain situations. And that maybe was any of that like related to, it's not necessarily what I would have always done in that situation versus just trying to focus on harnessing this pitch, which now I'm very confident in. Yeah, I think you, I mean, almost hit the nail on the head a little bit. And I mean, take away, it's not just the slider, just kind of like the whole, arsenal the whole yeah. idea of what my identity is i thought i had a really good idea of you know who i was and what i did well out with the a's and and you know coming over to here it's it's i i really believe in kind of being i guess open-minded i've always thought of myself as like a, a sponge around people and i just try to soak up information and and use it to to help me the best i can one of the things that was probably the most clear coming over to uh the orioles organization just was your development can kind of be independent of what's going on in some of these, some of these games, obviously, you know, as a competitor, you want to win and lose, right. Um, or you, you want to win more than you want to, more than you want to lose. But in a minor league season, you know, there's some really cool opportunities to, to go out and, and develop and, and try and throw these things that maybe you're a little bit uncomfortable with. And I think that's a great word to kind of describe a little bit of what my April was even a little bit into May it was uncomfortable and it wasn't that uh, like a bad uncomfortable. I wasn't scared. I wasn't nervous. It was more or less like, 
I'm going to find out if this is what's going to help me or if it's going to, you know, maybe I'm going to go a different direction with what I'm doing. But to be able to go out there and, and try that against the backdrop of competition and, I mean, throwing to really good hitters. Like, I think that this league we're playing in, um, the South Atlantic, or, you know, it's pretty high-caliber players. I feel like we're constantly playing some of the top prospects from all of these different teams, like, you know, the Yankees, the Mets, sure. et cetera. And it's, it's fun to go out and compete against these guys with stuff that I'm working on. And obviously everybody's working on, you know, trying to get better and trying to find their way to the big leagues. But to have the backing and, and the support of the org in a sense that go out and, and find out, find out if this thing works, find out how much more you could get out of it and, you know, put aside the fact that, you know, you want to go six, seven innings right now. You want to throw your pitches and punch in a quality start. Like that stuff can come if we can get the stuff to where it, it makes that whole process easier for you. I think that's been kind of the path of development I've gone down. And I, I think long-term it's really going to help me in my career. That's really cool, man. That's really cool. All right. So does getting traded once like leave you scarred where like maybe for the last couple of weeks ahead of the deadline, you were like nervous, like every day, like, God, please, please. I don't want to go through this again. I've got, I'm here with my girlfriend. I don't, I don't want to have to ship off to the Midwest tomorrow. Like how does going through it once then impact like, did you did you get to six o'clock yesterday and like have like a giant sigh of relief, like oh, oh, thank God. Yeah, I you just... know it's it's funny because I um I was saying that to a few of the guys in the locker room, like eh, before this past off season. I mean, last year was my first full season in, in pro ball, and so yeah. that's kind of a a learning curve to begin with, right? It's the first time you're going through anything like that. You're playing 130 games. You're meeting constantly, meeting new teammates, but you get traded in the off season. And, and in my case, like I said earlier, I mean, it was shocking. It was one of the last things I expected to happen. Obviously I, I'm very happy with the situation now, but it was a transition. And so <laughs> coming around to it, uh, to this year, I, I would say I just noticed the, the deadline was happening. It was much more in my face. I was very aware that, you know, like there's a hard stop now, maybe just the first time around, I, I wasn't as, um, I don't know, when you're playing and you're doing the same thing every day, you kind of try to stay very focused on what's right in front of you. I, I try not to think about, you know, you're not playing GM. There's, there's somebody right. else to do that. And right. so yeah, I would say more so this year, though, I definitely was very aware. And, and yeah, maybe getting to 6 o'clock, I was like, okay, at least at least I have until the World Series to be, um, <laughs> to be all in with the, the Orioles and everything. So, yeah, definitely more more aware you'll, you'll still be comfortable like getting to go to penn state football games in the fall and things like that exactly right? exactly right. yeah i completely yeah. get that um kyle I, I know he arrived uh just yesterday i know you haven't had a chance to pitch to him yet but how much do you know about samuel basayo and you know kind of how excited are you like for years we would talk to pitching prospects in the system about like you know working with adley rutschman and and my god if there isn't another one like right behind him um how excited are you for the opportunity to work with him moving forward I think it'll be great. You know, I, yeah, just getting to meet him and spring training was a bit of a whirlwind too, because obviously I met close to 170 new faces. So yeah. I, I know I met him at spring training. I'm not a hundred percent sure thinking back to it. I don't know if I've thrown to him or not. Um, as a catcher, I, I believe he might've been a shot against me, but I know um, watching him hit is a, is a lot of fun. He's definitely got a big swing. I'm really excited to see him connect with some balls. I've seen some video of him really, hammering baseballs down in um, Delmarva. And I think just, you know, as a whole, um, our org does a really, really good job with all of our catchers. I think, like, having gotten to throw to Silas for the last little bit, having to throw to Creed for a little while here, 
um, and now getting Samuel coming up. Like, it's just one of the things I've noticed about being uh, with the O's is how much attention to detail goes into our scouting reports, how much goes into, you know, the relationship between the pitcher and the catcher. And I think that that's been one of those other things. Like, nobody really um, talks about it or thinks about it, but you come over from a, a different team and, Really, this is any situation, even right when you get drafted, right? You meet a whole new cast of, of teammates. And the relationship between a pitcher and a catcher has got to be, I mean, they call it a battery, obviously. But it's, for me, one of the things that I would argue makes or breaks an outing sometimes. Like, you being on the same page with that catcher and executing a really advanced game plan and, and you know, going through the work with them to get everything to that point, like, those are some of the most important conversations and moments that I have no in, in a week of preparation. And so to, to know that they're putting that kind of work in to get to watch, uh, you know, we have a development coach, um, Sebi, who works with our catchers, and I think he does an outstanding job. Kunkel's here this week doing an outstanding job with those guys. And I really just think that, um, you know, our scouting and analytics team and development team, everybody putting – the work into to those kinds of relationships. It's it's really why, as I've settled in and really gotten to know these guys and they've got to know me, I think we've started to see a lot of that work show up in the you know the box score and the the line. So that's, cool. that's been um, one of the things. No matter who's catching, it's been it's been a really big point of emphasis. It's been really good. But I'm absolutely excited to throw the Samuel. That's cool, man. That's really cool. All right, uh, Kyle. Before I let you go, I was perusing your Instagram and I saw that you're doing something really cool this season to help out kids that are battling cancer. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I um I actually. <laughs> I did that last year. It was while I was in Lansing and it was great. So I was um, pledging money and people could kind of donate on a strikeout basis and it would help uh, kids, kids fight cancer. And this year I, um, I was asked to do it again. And rather than doing the, the charity pledge, I, I spoke to the gentleman. I've kind of been going through um, a little stuff uh, with, with my own personal family. Uh, my dad has cancer and I actually just lost my, my aunt um, oh, to I'm cancer so sorry. just a few, uh, a few months ago, a few weeks ago. And so I didn't know, and I, I appreciate that. But from a standpoint of doing it for the, the children's and the pediatric side, I kind of wanted to take a bit of a different route this year and, and obviously be a, be a supporter of them. And, and I really think that the work they do is outstanding. But to ask, like, you know, my own family and ask people in my corner to go down a another cancer route and donate it just to me it felt more impactful and more powerful maybe to take a sidestep and just really try and focus on my own family for a little bit right now and, okay. and get us through that but anything you know thoughts and prayers wise are more than more than appreciated and and yeah we're a, we're a tough bunch so my dad's doing great he's okay. uh he's really doing well right now um and yet we've been strong throughout the whole thing so it's been really good to to see us come together and, and do it there. But yeah, that organization I worked with last year was outstanding on the verse cancer. And I was really happy to participate in it. What's, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, we're rooting for you and your family and uh, so sorry that you guys have been going through that, but uh, certainly we'll be thinking about uh, you guys moving forward. I would encourage everybody to follow at Kaverbitsky on Instagram. Uh, Kyle, it's really great to get to know you. Um, I, by the way, with a voice like that, I hope you never take my job. Um, I hope that you have a very <laughs> successful career and that you're pitching here in Baltimore and I can talk about you and you don't come steal my job away from me in the future. So I oh, hope man. that that's no. the case. 
Calvin. I have fun. I love doing uh, the radio and the interviews and stuff. I've actually got to talk to, um, we have a radio guy here in Aberdeen too, um, Mike. Yeah. 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 And he's been awesome to work with. So I, uh, that's cool. Maybe, man. maybe one day. I don't know. I have a supply <laughs> chain degree. So we'll, we'll see what happens after baseball. Hey, Kyle, best of luck as uh, you continue along this season in the coming years. We're looking forward to chatting with you again down the road. Thanks for hopping on with us this morning. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it, Glenn. Yeah, no problem. All right. Take care. It's Kyle Verbitsky, uh, Aberdeen Ironbirds, also came over in the Cole Irvin deal and um, starting to put together some the nice stretch of pitching of late as the Orioles could, could use more. I think we all know that. All right, when we come back in, Eno Saris, let's try to dive more into exactly what the Orioles are getting in Jack Flaherty and how they might be able to harness good Jack Flaherty. Eno Saris joins us next, Glenn Clark Radio. Hike to new heights. The best view is yours in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com Maryland, be open. Hey O's fans, on Saturday, August 5th when the O's take on the New York Mets at 7.05 celebrate the 40th anniversary of the 1983 World Series by being one of the first 20,000 fans 15 and over to receive an Eddie Murray 1983 World Series bobblehead presented by Royal Farms. Come out to honor this World Series championship team and arrive early for Early Bird Saturdays when gates open two hours early with happy hour, live music, and more. Get your tickets today at Orioles.com slash tickets. Soak up summertime fun in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouth-watering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two N's in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook sports and that promo code glennclark23 visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER maryland drivers did you know you can save up to 77 percent on tolls with an easy pass maryland discount plan that's right 77 percent it's never been easier pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com we'll keep you moving it's a maryland thing Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing. It's a Maryland thing. 
Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food? Check. Quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. These are the final days for you to be picking up the new print issue of PressBox. I think it's a little bit less than two weeks for this print issue with Tony Saragusa on the cover. Wonderful piece from Dave Ginsburg celebrating the life and legacy of the uh, late, great Tony Saragusa and... I know it's not available already in some places because it's gone, but still available at a lot of your neighborhood Royal Farms, hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Read it all, PressBoxOnline.com, before the new print issue hits newsstands. Orioles, of course, did acquire Jack Flaherty at MLB trade deadline yesterday, and I happened to see a tweet from this man about Jack Flaherty that I couldn't tell if it encouraged me, discouraged me, or what. I'll read it. In starts where Jack Flaherty averaged 93.9 miles per hour or better, he pitched 24.2 innings and gave up five earned runs with 27 strikeouts. Well, you like that. In all other starts, he pitched 85 innings, much bigger sample size, with 49 earned runs and 79 strikeouts. Seems like velocity matters a little He's averaged 92.7 in his last three. Joining us now from The Athletic and Fangraphs, he is the man that uh, has a, a deeper knowledge of all things baseball than basically anyone I know. He's Eno Saris, and he is with us again here on GCR. Eno, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's good to catch up. Thank you so much for taking some time for us. Uh, no problem, no problem. So we dissect those numbers, and yes, velocity seems to matter, and I know much has been made about Jack Flaherty since the injury not being the same. I guess the dumb guy question is, is there a way to harness the better velocity that we saw this season, or do we just accept that maybe that's not possible any longer with Jack Flaherty? Yeah, I mean, that is the million-dollar question. It's not one that I think I can answer, really. I mean, uh, he had a shoulder injury, uh, didn't have the surgery, and you can see in his release points, his fastball movement, his fastball velo, that he hasn't quite been the same since. So um, it is. I think it's uh, uplifting to know that it's in there. Um, and so maybe just uh, jumping into a pennant race will be all that it takes. I mean, we're talking about just being on the upper end of his velo. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe you could do something where you bring Tyler Wells back and you say, hey, Jack, 
throw as hard as you can for four innings. Mm-hmm. You know, like we just need four innings. You know, don't worry about the fifth and the sixth. We've got Tyler Wells here. We've got other bridge options. Another thing you could do is go to a six-man. Bring Tyler Wells up and go to a six-man. You, you use up fewer of your innings of your young guys, and you give uh, Jack Clarity another day of rest uh, in between. So they do have some options, and he didn't cost as much as I heard Dylan Cease uh, might have cost. Um, but I, I do wonder if there was something in between Dylan Cease and Jack Flaherty that they could have done at the deadline. Yeah, I think a lot of us were thinking about that, right? So to your point, to say, okay, you're you're putting him in a better situation, and I think a lot of people bring up, too, if you get Cedric Mullins back, you could argue a better outfield defense behind him, that that big wall, obviously, in left field that helps. It's not like he was being battered by home runs, obviously, in St. Louis, but like those things alone, I, I, again, if we're looking for encouraging arguments, that they, they would be, I guess, reasons to think that maybe you can get the better version of Jack Flaherty over the course of the next couple of months. Yeah, I mean, uh, what we're talking about is in one of his four starts. I, I, there is a. I looked at, again, and it might sound ninety-three-nine might sound like an arbitrary endpoint. I was just trying to look at ninety-four, you know. Uh, but I found a ninety-three-eight in uh, Colorado where he was good too. Okay. Um, so. You know, basically, if he can just get to something that rounds to 94, right now he's rounding to 93. You know, you could get it. He's done it, A, this year. And B, uh, you know, the Cardinals are bad. You know, so (laughs) there is, there are like soft things like that that motivate people. You know, uh, he is a competitor. If he feels uh, that maybe he... Maybe early in the game he gives up a couple runs and he just doesn't think that you know the Cardinals are going to do it for him that day. Maybe he's not going to ramp it up to 94. But uh, since he was so good in those games where he was close to 94 and he's done it a quarter of the time this year, a little bit more than a quarter of the time, maybe a third of the time, and now he's on a first place team. Uh, yeah, I think it was. I guess it was a worthwhile bet. I mean, it it didn't cost him as much as, as supposedly the rest of the ideas did. No, and, and look, I, I the other issue is is you bring up these scenarios where maybe you try to only get four innings of the velocity out of him. I think there's a a question that's still here about what's more important: is it getting the best version of Jack Flaherty, or is it simply getting you someone that can give you innings? While you're dealing with, to your point, the Tyler Wells issue and, you know, a coming Grayson Rodriguez innings issue. And, you know, even Kyle Bradish is about a start away from going past his career high in innings. Like, I, I, I don't know which is the more important thing for the Orioles right now. Is it to do everything you can to harness the best version of Jack Flaherty that you can get? Or is it to say, hey, we need one other guy. The bullpen's been taxed. We need someone that can give us six innings every time out and be confident in that until this season is over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is the thing, though. Uh, I think they were kind of maybe this. I hadn't thought of it this way. There's a clear distinction in uh, what happens at the deadline between a guy who will get you there and a guy who you will use when you're there. Right. So and there the playoffs, right? And and there's a clear distinction between you know even remember the Jordan Montgomery trade when he left New York last year, right? They traded Jordan Montgomery off of a playoff team last year, you know, for Harrison Bader. And I think the idea was, well, he's not going to start a playoff game for us. So, and we're going to the playoffs, so we don't need him, you know? Um, and so there, I think, to me, Jack Clarity is a little bit more in that class, okay. a guy who will get you there, okay? I guess that, that works if he's a guy who gets you there. He's a guy who gets you there. 
then who starts games one and two and three of your playoffs? Seems like you're putting an awful lot of pressure on hoping that John Means returns like some version of John Means at this point. <laughs> yeah, like, I, mean, I mean, it really does. Or, or that you can, or you can massage these young players' innings. I mean, I personally still think Grayson Rodriguez has the upside of an ace. I think he can find that upside this year. I mean, I've seen it this year. I mean, he looked like he so, sure as hell looked the part on Friday night. My God, did he look exactly. the part on Friday night? I was, I've been screaming that the cutter was a bad pitch and he shouldn't throw it. And finally he puts the cutter away and he, I think he's more what we thought he would be. So, um, I, you know, I do, I wonder if Jack Flaherty, the guy who can get you there makes room, like makes innings room for Grayson Rodriguez game one starter, you know, and Kyle Bradish game two starter. Maybe that's the idea. So, um, you know, it is, it is, it is interesting when you're, massaging like a young uh, uh, rotation like this and you're thinking about innings, I just wonder what would have been like to just put just a drop of Verlander on top of all that, right? Just like a guy who is A, a guy who will start, you know, game one for you in the playoffs and B, can get you there too, you know? Like, 100%. You know, I, that might have been something that that I, I don't know if the money wasn't too, was too much or, I mean, I, they do have prospects of Gilbert's quality or better. I, correct. They absolutely. They have lots of them. In fact, um, exactly. I think. I mean, the Verlander trade is the one where I was like, that could have been an Orioles trade right there. Eno Saris is with us here on GCR. And look, I you know I do wonder. I I had always wondered if maybe it was a fait accompli that Justin Verlander had just sort of said, I want to be back in Houston, make that happen, and I'm not going to waive my trade clause. I mean, the for- players do have. Have some, yeah. They, the players right. have power when they've been in the league that long. Right, correct. I, I don't know. We, well, I don't know that we'll ever know what the answer is. And as we heard that the Orioles were involved, it was very enticing. It was very. Uh, yeah. it, is, it is what it is. So I, I say that though, like to say, are are you convinced at this point that it, there's just not enough? Like that for as fun as this is, and as much as we have to recognize that it's not, it's not a fluke anymore. It's not a cute story. The Orioles have the best record in the American League, and it's August now. Um, mm-hmm. but that ultimately, it's it's going to be extraordinarily difficult for them to find enough pitching to turn that into somehow winning the American League. I'm not convinced. Uh, I mean, the the science there is no science when it comes to innings limits. <laughs> yeah. The, there's a pretend science that Alex Anthopoulos once said this out loud. I couldn't believe it. Somebody asked him when he was with the blue Jays, they said, um, you know, what's your innings limit on this young pitcher? And, and you, you know, why do you do that? And he said, well, generally around the league, everyone adds 20% to what they've done before. And it's just, it's just what we do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just what we've done. So uh, I, I don't, know that there's a hard cap on these young players um and maybe jack flaherty allows them to rest them i i, I think there's talent there i i think they're making the playoffs no matter what. i think they can win the american league the braves are really just a, a great team and they went and got aaron savali because they wanted to have really quality innings and make sure they had those innings um and so i'm i'm just wondering i'd like for me aaron savali is better than jack flaherty yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, I I don't know what the argument would be against that at this point. <laughs> like, I, not better than 2019 Jack Flaherty, but I don't think you traded for 2019 Jack Flaherty. Yeah, exactly. So that's the but, issue. But that, like, yeah. if you could tell me that they are going to start a playoff series with Grayson Rodriguez and Cal Bradish, you know, I I would feel pretty good about that. 
Yeah, and look, I, you know, Kyle Bradish, I, I was starting to get a little nervous. His last start wasn't great. He gave up two home runs last night. I'm like, oh, please don't tell me he's hitting a wall. Please don't tell me that's what we're coming into. <laughs> and then he bounced back really nicely from there. So you, you do feel better about that. And I, and I guess it's as long as he feels good and the – you know the the results are good. You you try to ride it for as long as you can. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the answer is either. As you point out, that the baseball people don't know. I sure as hell don't know. So that's where we are. <laughs> yeah. You know, with that all, all being said, like let's just say let's let's advance it. They get into the playoffs. Maybe they come up short. They lose the Astros or the Rangers. You know, wherever it is, maybe in the ALCS. Do you feel like even as good as you think Grayson Rodriguez can be? And as good as Kyle Bradish has been, and let's even like, have put a healthy John Means into the equation next year, is it still the biggest thing maybe that separates the Orioles from being a viable World Series winner is maybe one more true top-of-the-rotation, front-line, bulldog-type starting pitcher? Yeah. I, I, I don't – at least the number two. Yeah. You know, like at least the number two, I think that they should be shopping in the top end of the market. We're talking about a team that said, we'll spend, we'll spend when we get there, we'll spend while we're here. You know, so I think this next offseason, I would like to see this front office spend. And, you know, it's, it's difficult because giving a lot of money with a lot of years to a pitcher is, uh, you know, just it, it's so risky. Um, but what we found recently is, that, uh, you know, established veterans who have stayed healthy for a while, they, they're actually decent bets. You know, if you think about some of the deals that Verlander and Scherzer have de- signed, particularly that deal that Scherzer signed in Washington, mm. uh, those are some of the best yep. deals that, uh, ha- that you've ever signed a major league pitcher to. So um, I would consider trying, you know, maybe something similar, high AAV, low years for an older pitcher, uh, maybe uh, go after Giolito, but like, Think about uh, think about shopping on the higher end uh, of the starting pitcher market. I'd I'd be encouraging Eduardo Rodriguez, right? Like I, there's some history there. I don't know why he didn't want to go to L.A. That's a weird bit to me, but I I would I would I like that. I like that thought. Um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate it. It's, we're in this confusing, like we're, we're enjoying this so much, right? Like it's so damn exciting. And I just want to be able to like let it all down and say, oh hell, let's go for it. But I'm just so nervous about the pitching thing. Like I'm so, the, the bullpen is clearly like, it's, it's hard to trust anybody significantly besides Felix Batista because they've been worked so much. I, I don't know what the appropriate line is between just have fun, enjoy it. And like, yeah, but and I'm struggling with. That I will say, I will say this: if you look at the teams that have had a long-term success and are headed to the playoffs, and how they acted, the Orioles acted more like they did. Uh, if you look at basically, uh, basically like a Dodgers model, what do the Dodgers do? They just added some pieces that didn't cost that much. Yeah. You know, I I I put Lance Lynn on the Orioles actually. You know, so you know, I think Jack Flaherty similar-ish to, to a Lance Lynn where you're like, maybe we can do something here that's a little better than his last team did with him, whatever it is, you know. So, I, you know, they acted like a smart team. But I, I feel that, like, sometimes you just want to be like, hey, let's not be smart. Right. Like, we're in first place. Right. Like, do let's it. go for it, dude. Do it. No, but I appreciate that. I appreciate the way you're saying it, and certainly nobody wanted to see them completely break up. This, like, young nucleus of talent is just so overwhelming that you didn't want to see them – kind of go crazy but i i don't know like if if there had been the option of trading away 
a few of these guys for say a Logan Gilbert, if that was real, I, boy, that would have been one that yeah. I would have I would have said okay. Like if you could do a, a Heston Kerstad, Samuel Basayo, yeah. Jordan Westberg for for Gilbert type yeah. of deal, like I oh, I would have yeah. been inclined. I would have been inclined. You know, is there anything we can plug yeah. for you, man? Uh, no, I just say you know my podcast rates and barrels uh on uh the athletic is a good place for people to like listen for free they can listen for free on youtube wherever and uh decide if they if they want to subscribe so that's a, a good place to find me awesome at enoceris on uh the the website formerly known as twitter as well that's where you can follow him you know really appreciate you man thank you so much for spending a couple of minutes right. with us thanks for having me enoceris from the athletic and Fangraphs with us here on gcr it's complicated, man. There's no way around it. It's a complicated conversation. And again, my column is up at PressBoxOnline.com that kind of dives through all of it. Every layer. Needed to do something. Did something. Good thing. Maybe it could be more than that. No reason to assume that it's going to be more than that. But, you know, maybe it's not impossible that the Orioles couldn't harness some of the good things that we've seen from Jack Flaherty in the past. I I don't know, to Eno Saris's point, there is an argument that, like, which is the better way of doing this? Is the better way of doing this to just sort of, like, run Jack Flaherty into the ground between now and then, get as many innings as you possibly can, not assume that he's starting a game one or game two, is just here to help you get across the finish line and then whatever else you get out of him is gravy? He's here to try to make Grayson Rodriguez available to you in the postseason? Or is it to try to get the best version of him as he pointed out, piggyback with Tyler Wells, say, you know, th- go throw crazy for a few innings, and then we'll go from there. I think it's got to be the innings. I think the innings thing has got to be the You've got to get innings out of Jack Flaherty. And whatever version of Jack Flaherty that you get out of it, if he's just Kyle Gibson going into the playoffs, you hopefully have a more rested bullpen at that point. You're only going to need a four-man rotation. Grayson is still capable of starting when you get to the postseason, that would be a good thing. And if you had Bradish and Grayson at the top of the rotation, some version of John Means, and then you kind of make it work from there, I'll, I don't know, I'll deal with it. It all matters. And what he said there I thought was important. They acted like a smart team. That stands out to me. They acted like a smart team. And maybe there were no deals to be made. Let's get into Would You Rather Wednesday right now. Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Birdland Sports, birdlandsports.com. Because number one on Would You Rather Wednesday is, would you rather the Orioles have made the trade that they made or made a blockbuster deal, Mayo, Westberg, Basayo, to get a controllable young pitcher like a Logan Gilbert? It's, man, because like Kobe Mayo is like, he he kind of feels like the one guy I guess that's not blocked I guess so like he's a guy that you really that he's he's yeah, of all the guys that we keep talking you about say he's not blocked like I mean I guess they're all blocked it's, it's kind of like point. it's not obvious what mm-hmm. exactly Kobe Mayo's role is going to be but what you're really saying is that you think the talent is so overwhelming on Kobe Mayo that it kind of doesn't matter what's in front of him like he's going to be here and he's going to be a big part of the equation yeah um and so I. I don't think there's really, I don't I, there can't be anything wrong with holding on to all of these prospects that they have, and I'm I, I'm okay with this. I think a lot it's, of it, but it's not eh. that's not the question I'm asking. I'm not asking are you okay with it. I'm saying which would you rather? You're 
Wait, the, which were I rather, you, the Jack Flaherty trade? The or? Flaherty trade or a big swing for Logan Gilbert? Well, so so, and the reason I'm I'm okay with the with the Jack Flaherty trade. You're saying that's the one that you would rather. Basically. You're doing well, the thing. I'm trying to finish you're doing my the thing here. That, no, you're doing the thing that people your age and my wife do, where you're answering a different question and not the one that was asked. The question Since that was had, asked was, which would you rather? Since we had Tim Kirchner on yesterday, uh-huh. and what he said about Jack Flaherty, I I feel good about this. I obviously I would have liked to have seen other, uh, you know, uh, seen other moves. Um, but and also what you know, Sarah just said. You know, they acted like a smart team. They didn't go out like the Dodgers don't go out and make so make it's a what huge, massive, you would rather. So what I'm saying is, yes, I would rather hold on to Kobe Mayo and and the other guys he names. I, I, and this, I'm okay. And, and yes, I would rather is, the Jack Flair this one is at per- this point. It's particularly tough for me. And I get that Mayo is the one that stands out there, right? Like Westberg, it's painful because he's already mm-hmm. here. Yeah. But again, you're looking at the the glut of infielders that you have and you're saying, oh, okay. There's I, another Westberg. I, I think we could live if you lost Jordan Westberg. Um, Kobe Mayo, you could argue you could live if Heston Kerstad ends up being everything that you think Heston Kerstad's supposed to be and, you know, combines that with what we've seen from Anthony Santander. I think that you're going to have plenty of pop. I would argue, I would say I would have rather them make that deal. Now, I don't know if that deal was available to be made, and it's certainly a painful one. But I would say the thing that I keep coming back to is, if you're asking me of one thing that's going to prevent the Orioles right now from winning a world championship, it's going to be one more top-notch pitcher. And they're going to have to do something to go about getting it. To the point, if we say now, you'd rather them do that by spending this offseason, as you know, Sarah's just brought up, I would if like that if we made this a more complicated question. Would you rather them trade all those pieces for Logan Gilbert, or they could sign you know insert name here this offseason, Giolito, sign you know whoever it would be. Who's the Japanese pitcher that everybody's hot and bothered about that's coming over oh. this offseason? I can't remember the name of the guy. But if there's one thing to me that separates still Orioles from good team and winning a World Series, it's that, and it's not coming. What Kobe Mayo brings, I think maybe you can make up for with all of the rest of the guys that have popped throughout this organization. So given the two options, my answer would be Gilbert. But to the point, if it was do this for Flaherty now and sign stud starting pitcher in the offseason, then yes, that. That would be my answer. Mm Mm-hmm. But until I see the Orioles do it, you would rather go get. I wouldn't be inclined to say they would value young player with control. And until I see the Orioles What's being willing Gilbert's to spend that money, like right he's now? got like four years. Oh wow, like he's only in like he's not even into arbitration. I'm seeing Yamamoto. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the that's guy's the guy. name. And there's another. There's a 21 year old as well that oh? people are talking about, Roki Sasaki. Oh, I don't know anything about Roki Sasaki. I do but, think that Yamamoto is the one that like is. Yeah. Is supposed to be the, the big superstar. Is Arias a free agent too? Um not Ramon Arias. Yeah, Julio uh, uh, Arias. Julio. Is that God, I don't know. I don't I think I'm gonna call them all Arias because ours is an Arias. I don't know. Well when the, yeah. And then well what what was uh, Carl Rabbit calling? He was calling Oreos. Is it was he? I on, didn't even on, I didn't even on, catch on it. Sunday. I didn't even catch it. God. Um but yeah, if like if that's the world you're gonna be living in. Look, I would be in Intrigued with signing Eduardo Rodriguez when he opts out. Julio like, is a free agent, yes. There's a lot of like legitimate free agents pitching, starting pitching that's going to be on the market that qualifies. And so 
if you can do it that way, do it that way. Yeah, but I don't. I don't until I see them do it. I don't believe they're going to, and that's why the Gilbert thing would have been so enticing to me. All right, um, number two. Would you rather, with the deadline passed, the Orioles now dip their toes into finally extending guys, but they're only going to do one. Would you rather it be eight years, two hundred million for Adley, or twelve years, three hundred million? For Gunnar Henderson, and yes, I am aware that these would be uh, unprecedented deals in comparison to what other you know pre-arbitration players have received. Yeah, both works. Yeah, not <laughs> trying to pile it up over there, dog. I don't know where this came I, from. I mean, that you decided to be this guy. I, I'd say I, I don't know where it came I, from. I, this is about this about right. This is about <laughs> right from someone your age and given everything. I actually had a conversation with someone this week. I'm like, I don't know where this came from. That like it's now a skill. To be dodgy. I just need direct answers. Dodginess pisses me off more than answers I don't like. If I have an answer and I don't like it, at least it's an answer and we can work on solving the solution. Dodginess infuriates me. Trying to keep this moving target of like, well, you know, it's somehow people your age believe it to be a skill. The rigmarole is somehow thought of as being a skill. Like, keep them on their toes. Like, don't commit to anything. It's Awful. It's atrocious. Would you rather? That that's, couldn't be easier. One or the other. Literally defined in the question. Would you rather this or that? I feel like the... so Okay, so the double-digit uh, contracts, I feel like haven't... I guess... I don't know. I guess it's really early in Juan Soto's contract for that to, for, for to say that, that it hasn't panned out well. But I guess I, just because the Padres... Are, he's still having a good year. Also, I don't think either doesn't one he have a um, opt out pretty quick into that. Too? Oh, he does. So I, I mean, and would that be? I guess that would that be something that would apply to Gunner? I'm not. No, I'm not putting it in the conversation. the conversation. I'm not putting it in the conversation. I'm inclined to say Gunner because it's the longer deal. Um, but also mean that it would be a longer impact if it doesn't work out. Yes, exactly. Um, I I think I mean there's no reason to think at this point that it wouldn't work out with Gunner. Um. Other than it's he's very early, years old. Yeah. it's very early. Adley seems like he is going to be here to stay for forever, and it would stink that maybe that you could have him for twelve years and you only get him for eight. But it'd be re- a really, really great eight years to round out the rest of this decade. So yeah, I'll take Adley uh, to lock him in for eight years. Um, I'm getting a lot more Gunner on this one, and I think it's reflecting something that I have felt in town. He's been better, I guess. Well, it's throw. it's that he. Well, you say he's been better offensively. Like you know, even if you look at the numbers of the top full season, they, they you're still kind of splitting hairs on who's been better. Well, I'm, but of late, summer, yeah. yes, of late, he's definitely been the better offensive player. Um, but you know, you're also more capable of finding someone who plays that position that's a better offensive player than you are finding a catcher. And so I still don't know how to measure the value of each of those players. But I also think given Gunner's age, there's this thought that like he's the real centerpiece where we have always assumed it was Adley. The truth is that it's actually Gunner who's the real centerpiece of all of this given his extraordinarily young age mm-hmm. in this process. So it's, we're leaning with far more answers of Gunner than we are with Adley to this point. And then number three. What was, so Gunner's your answer as well? I It's, it's painful, right? Because... I'm, what I'm not saying is that you can't. I'm just saying they're only going to sign one right now. And it would be painful to have put all of this into Adley and then all of the things everybody said, like, well, in five years he's going to be a Yankee. Like, it would be very painful for that to prove to be true. And I feel like that would be more painful because he's the guy that we've attached ourselves to for longer. But 
I do think that at this point, I, it's it's also Adley just seems like such a bona fide superstar. Just even I mean, he's I guess he won't lead the league in batting average or home runs or right. RBIs, but he seems like a guy I, who is so comfortable in the spotlight. I, I hate saying it too. I also think that like the questions about how he's handled throwing runners out this season have led to like a different conversation that like you thought you were getting some combination of the greatest defensive ca- the Pudge Rodriguez and Mike Piazza, right? All in one guy. And it's not to say all of it's Adley's fault. It's not we've been through all those conversations this year. There's a deeper conversation to be had about the Orioles and keeping runners on and all of those things. But it boy, none of it is fair. Like none of it's fair. Cause Adley's great. He's great, man. He's exactly what you needed him to be. He's handling all of he this. He can lead off. He can like God. I, I think the real answer is that like I'd be cool with either one. So Whoa, whoa, you can't say that. What what Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson's the answer. And then number three, would you rather um your partner? Now you don't uh, to my knowledge, you don't have a partner, but like no. maybe you're hiding something from me. I don't know. That's no. fine. I don't care. Whatever you're dealing with in your life is your thing. Um, let's presume that you had a partner. Sure. Your partner says, "I've got terrible news for you. I, I cheated on you with my boss. I'm so sorry. Happened one time." Or your partner comes to you and says, "I just spent fourteen thousand dollars <laughs> so that I could purchase a costume." Because it has been my life dream to walk around town as if I was a border collie. I I, I mean the the obviously the main thing you'd have to be angry. You spent fourteen thousand dollars. I understand that, but they had the fourteen thousand dollars. They had it. Okay. All right, they had it. We could have gone to Disney World. For, I, un- you know, I understand. One night. I understand. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, like at least half a day. Yeah. I understand, but they had it. All I'm saying is that you got to pick one or the other. I- <laughs> I guess if 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 fourteen thousand dollars is isn't a big deal, then I I'm not I saying it's not a big the, deal. I'm not saying it's not a big deal. And maybe you know maybe it's just the, I, I, it's as as bizarre as that is. Uh, I think I would lean the border. Oh colony, my god, I think. that is no chance. I don't. I mean, no. Look, dude, I'm not saying the other one's a good thing and it's going to cause a lot of problems and I don't know if it'll ultimately make it work, but like that yeah, relationship well, is ending in that moment. In the moment. With the border collies no, ending with in the, the moment? Like there's no, there is no moving so forward. So when they cheat on their boss, you're like, all right, well. Uh, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be uncomfortable. You have to work through a lot of things. There's going to require therapy. There's going to have to, you know, like deal like, do I get I, a hall pass? Like you're going to have to go through whatever it is that you have to go through. Oh, so this is why right? you're saying like, that because now you get a hall pass. No, no, no. I'm not saying. You're going to have to talk about that between the two of you, right? Because you might not want to all pass. You might be like, dude, I was totally happy being in this partnership for the rest of my life. Like, I, that's what my wife and I entered into. And so I, I, like these, these, by the way, these conversations do come up with your friends when you get into these types of relationships. Like, what would you do in these scenarios? And you're like, I, I don't know. And they've obviously dealt with it in television shows and movies for forever, right? Like, where they've dealt with this, well, I did this, so you got to be able to go do this type of thing. It's, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it would be something that we would have to try to figure out a way to work through. It would be, I, a lot of people have brought up the interesting nature of like who their their partner's boss is. And so I think that we'd almost have to make it like, so for example, my partner's boss is one of her best friends and a female. Like, and so it would be easy for me to say like, that eh, wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> I think we could work right through that. No problem. 
So we'd almost have to create like a, de- a centralized version right. of boss, like a an attractive opposite sex like person. Gotcha. Yeah, you know. And then and I think that's kind of what I was had in mind. And, right. And that we have to create. To me, that's a further problem. I think. It is a further problem. Like it would, it would require a couple things. Like, like if you were going to try to move forward, can you work there any longer? Like, you know, what, like whatever that is going to be. But at least we could have the conversation. Like, I could move at least one day forward there. Ultimately, it might not work out. Ultimately, is it, you might realize like yeah, a week in or a couple of weeks in that like, no, a- I can't see past this. Sorry, no way. It's- but I can at least start the conversation. There is no starting the conversation. It's a pretty cool costume. Yeah. What is it with everybody who's trying to do the both thing today, by the way? God. Why is it? Is it because I went away for a week? You guys did Would You Rather Wednesday last week. Yeah, we did. Someone said, wait, wait, so someone said both for this one? Oh, no, no, not for this one. Not for this (laughs) one. For others. I've gotten a lot of both today. I've gotten a lot of, uh, you know, either one works or gotten a lot of that. I understand. You got to pick one. That's the way the game is played. Um, get your responses in. Eckland Clark it's Radio. A good costume. Huh? Oh my God! Stop saying that out loud. Stop it. I mean, in terms as far as border collie Stop costumes go, saying it. definitely the best it's I've gonna seen. It's going to disturb me. I don't know if it's actually supposed to be a border collie. I just <laughs> saw collie. I don't know what kind of collie it's supposed to be. Um, but stop saying that. You're making me very nervous and apprehensive every time you praise this costume because this is disturbed. This is dealing with something that can't you is can't there, solve this. I want to watch like, the video. I I have um I had a friend who dated someone who was super into like dressing go like cons right like went to conventions okay yes and and cosplayed and I was like I can think that would be cool like I don't think it would be for me but if that's what you're into that's what you're into that's this is a step beyond that this is disturbed this is you have a problem that I don't think I can help with. I don't I don't think that I can play a role. Like this this is gonna have to be the end of it. There's no way around it. I can't I can't sit down and talk to you about it tomorrow. It's like a mini document. It's like a nine minute I video. Don't, no. Don't about oh, you, oh, they're trying to drink out of a dog bowl. Griffin's going to end up doing this. This is what we've learned in this moment. Next week we're going to wake up and we're gonna say, Hey, it happened in America too. This looks it looks real. Griffin it looks Don't. real. You're really, um, you're really disturbing me, bro. You are truly disturbing me in the way that you are actually seemingly excited about this. I'm not person. excited. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's get fascinating. Your, it's get fascinating. your responses in for Would You Rather Wednesday at, at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Somebody wins a shirt of their choice from Birdland Sports. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit of the day is brought to you today by Superbook. We are so happy to have Superbook on board, and we want to hook you up with a $250, up to $250. Let's make that abundantly clear. If you don't have, if you're not going to make a $250 bet, we'll, they'll match it up to $250 on your first bet, matched by our friends at Superbook. But the only way you can take advantage of that offer, you want to bet $250 on Francis TFO? You want to bet $250 on the Orioles tonight? You're doing it sort of like carefree because even if you don't win, you're getting that $250 back in your future bets. Are you saying Tiafa's a good bet tonight? I actually think that, uh, what's his name, Wang, Wang, Jang. Oh, God, now I feel bad. Now it's going to sound. I'm like, oh, no, oh boy, sorry. I'm sorry. I have, um, 
I want to, I'll pull up the name. He's actually played really well. He beat uh, Ben Shelton yesterday. Oh. What the hell is his name? This is, this is the city? Yes. Yes, it's the city. What is his name? God, it's going to drive me crazy. Who? Uh... Shang. Shang. Okay. Shang is the name. Um, anyway, the point is $250. First bet match. Use the code GlennClark23. That's GlennClark, G-L-E-N-N, C-L-A-R-K, the number 23, GlennClark23 at Superbook.com. Get up to $250 in your first bet matched. Use that right now. Braves offense is uh, trying to do something that has hardly ever been done in baseball. They are scoring at an unbelievable rate in the first inning this season. They're averaging 1.05 runs in the first inning. Since 1900, only two teams have ever recorded a higher average uh, of runs scored in the first inning. So, And you know those two teams, right? I don't. 1901, the Pirates scored 1.1 runs ah. uh, in By the, the first By the way, apparently that matches. I thought it was tonight. It's apparently tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, okay. Mobby. No, tomorrow noon. Or I guess the time's not determined yet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then 1950, the Red Sox, 1.07 runs scored in the first inning. So the Braves are looking to be the third team. Uh, to score 1.05 runs uh, in the first inning or more. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, last night, uh, Patrick Bailey had a walk-off. Had a pretty good line down in D.C. today. I wish I could go down there today. I got to do the What's stupid the... radio show tonight. No. Uh, Andy Murray is playing at four o'clock, and then Coco Golf right Ooh. after Andy Murray. So it's Murray Nakashima, which is pretty good. Actually, the whole lineup today. Chris uh, Eubanks. Uh, yeah, that's not on the stadium though. The stadium oh, okay. today is Benchich, Lauren Davis. That's okay. Svitolina Kazakina. That's very good. Um, then Andy Murray against Nakashima, Coco Goff, Haley Baptiste, and then Taylor Fritz is mm. in the final match of the night. That's a Gail pretty Monfie good day. didn't make the on the uh, if FAA is on the uh, second court today. Oh wow! And Monfie is on the second court, and Jennifer Brady, who is back for this tournament, is on the second court today. And as she you pointed out, yeah, that's a pretty good, pretty good day down in uh, D.C. Damn it! I really it's bothering me like hell. Like the vacation thing really screws everything up. Because then I have so much that I have to do this week after I get got back from vacation that like my only chance and PLLs in town and athletes unlimited lacrosse and the Orioles are at home and the Ironbirds are at home. There's just way too much going on this week. Way too much. Uh, Patrick Bailey had a essentially a walk off pickoff last night. Did you see that? I, he 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 was catching for the Giants and okay. he picked off the runner first for the final out of the oh, game. Oh really? Oh yeah. that's cool. And uh, yeah. and it was the so Sarah Langs points out it was the fastest pop or yeah second fastest pop time from from catcher to first base. Us uh, in the Statcast era, so since 2015, and the fastest successful pickoff. You can ask me time. who the first one yeah. was. <laughs> no, I won't. Because <laughs> you don't know it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Alyssa Thomas had a, another triple double last night. She a terp. Uh, yes. Uh, and uh, now back to back games with a triple double. Uh, it is also she also had the first 2015 and 10 game in WNBA history, uh, and it is three times in her career now. That she has had back-to-back games with a triple double. No other player in WNBA history has done. Let's that. Try to track her down. Okay. Let's try to do that. All right. Uh, and uh, Rich Hill, he the big ac- acquisition yes, for the the, for Padres. the Padres. His thirteenth team. Uh, once he suits up for the Padres, it'll be the thirteenth. I wonder what the last time was for. that I used Rich Hill with Patrick in the game. Like, can we throw him back into the hopper now yes. that he's added a few more teams? Uh, so that's becoming my. T- I mean, what are the other twelve? That For Rich, Rich Hill? Yes. Oh, that was really what this is? Yes. All right. Uh, well, obviously, so hang on a second. Padres, Pirates. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, point of order, I played Immaculate Gridiron Football, and it was Philadelphia, Carolina, 
and I used Miles Sanders, and it was wrong because oh, Miles Sanders hasn't played, played a game yes. yet for Carolina, and that's nonsense. And you gotta well, you gotta clean game. it up. You well, gotta cl- no, you gotta put that very clear. Oh, that- like that's the problem. I, the first thing I thought of when you saw the teams Philadelphia, I'm like, well, of course, Miles Sanders. Gotta clean that up, immaculate gridiron. Gotta do that. Or no, they're they're just immaculate grid. They're not immaculate yeah. gridiron. That was a different game that had popped up. Right. All right, Padres, Pirates, uh, Red Sox. Red Sox are correct. Dodgers. Dodgers are correct. Orioles. Orioles in 2009. Uh, Minnesota, right? E- yes, 2020. Yeah, that was where he was. Jeez. Oh, boy, now it's starting. Oh, the, uh, the, the Cubbies. Yep, where he started his career. Boy, that's only seven of them. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I might already start to get any guessing. Oh Jesus! He played for two teams in 2021, which, yeah. Nope, <laughs> that's not registering with me at all. <laughs> uh, was Oakland in there somewhere? Do Oakland I... was in there okay. in 2016 uh, before he was a Dodger. So eight. Oh boy, <laughs> I, I, there's five more, and I don't know. So, yes. He seems like someone who would have been a Cardinal at some point. He was not Damn a St. Louis Cardinal. It was three teams between 13 and 14, and then two teams in 2021. And, yeah, these are these are out there <laughs> that I have no recollection of these five teams. Even even the 2021 one. Ones. Blue Jays? Not the Blue Jays. Aye. Mets. Mets is one of them in 2021. Okay. He spent half of 2021 with the New York Mets. Rangers. Not the Texas Rangers. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, Angels. He was with the Angels okay. in part of 2014. An Anaheim Angel. Cleveland. In Cleveland. 20, Hell yeah. We 2013. He was a Cleveland uh, baseball player. An, yeah, an Indian at the time, now a Guardian. Um... Hey. So we're looking for two more. Giants. Gigantes. Uh, not the Giants. Mariners. Not the Mariners. <sighs> Brewers. Not the Brewers. They are both American League teams. Try to move this along because you know we have to do something yeah. at 1230. Uh, Yankees. Yankees. In he was a Yankee? In 2014, he was a Yankee. Oh, I'm trying to figure out how he got there. Oh, no, no memory of that. Yeah. One more mm. American League team. All right, so hang on. There's not. There can't be that many left. Yeah. He paired in 14 uh, games. Baltimore, Boston, games. New York. Uh, Tampa. Yes, Tampa. Tampa. He was a Tampa. When was he in Tampa? In 2021. He was a he was a Tampa Bay Ray. Uh, is, that it? is that the whole list? Yeah, it is the whole list. That is the whole Jeez. list. He started with the Rays in 2021 and was traded to the I would Mets. I never guessed For Tommy the Hunter. How about that? How about that? Very good. All right, Tubular is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Orioles Blue Jays, 7 o'clock tonight on Masson. Grayson Rodriguez, you say Kikuchi. It's also on ESPN. I know, I giggle. I can't. I can't. It's what it is. It's also on ESPN Plus in the rest of the country. And if you happen to live in Tampa or New York and those related markets, you can watch it on MLB Network. So lots of ways to watch the Orioles tonight, hopefully on the Masson app, which mostly worked last night. Good. Mostly. Mostly? Mostly worked. Well, it still doesn't work on my phone because why uh-huh. would it work on my phone? i got to watch the streaming website instead of the app. It's just a whole – that's it. 
Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, Masson also has National Bre- Nationals Brewers at one. I'll let you find the rest of the baseball today at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, overnight tonight, the World Cup. Uh, actually, I think it's only 6 a.m. matches tomorrow. These are the final uh, group stage matches on Fox, uh, South Korea and Germany, and on FS1, Morocco and Colombia. Some uh, WNBA tonight, Dallas Wings, Seattle Storm at 10.30. A friendly tonight between uh, Chelsea and Borussia Dortmund at 8.30 on ESPNU. Uh, friendlies on ESPN2, Atletico Madrid, Real Sociedad at 9, Sevilla and Real Betis at 11. Jerome Betis as a team. The uh, basketball tournament semifinals, 7 o'clock on ESPN. As I mentioned, the City Open uh, coverage underway on Tennis Channel and TVS tonight for AW Dynamite at 8. Anything non-sports-wise? MasterChef is back on I Fox. I do love MasterChef. After, I believe, yeah, they were bumped for the World Cup last week. So, uh, MasterChef is back. They've been back. bumped a lot this summer. Yeah. It's been very uh, frustrating for Mr. and Mrs. Clark. Season 1 finale for of Hijack on Apple TV+, Plus, the Idris Elba. Uh, show that everyone is saying is pretty good. I need to check it out. Uh, Reservation Dogs season three, the third and final I've season. I've never watched Reservation. Yeah, Dogs. I heard it's good. Yeah, I I've heard a lot of good things. It's on and Hulu. like, I, I mean, FX makes good shows. Yes, like yeah. I, I should watch it. It'll be out on Hulu uh, and Disney Plus. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three comes to stream. Oh, okay. Yes. I enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy yes. Volume Three. I thought it was outstanding. Mm-hmm. So unlike a lot of other things that Disney have done recently that continue to get panned. I guess Haunted Mansion was not great. Oh, it wasn't? Didn't make any money at the box. Maybe it was good. It just didn't make any money. I was was thinking about seeing it tonight. It was rough. (laughs) Rough. I did have somebody who like, oh, it was uh, our buddy Eric Arditi took his daughter to see Elemental the other day. And he was like, "Uh, uh, did you guys know that they did like a follow-up with the old man from Up in the short before Elemental? Why would they have not marketed that? Yeah. I would have. Everyone would have come for that. A thousand percent. Probably would have made a little more money if you if I had known that that was an option. I might still go now to see Elemental at some. Nope, too much going on. Not going to happen. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for Haunted Mansion. I like them. Like Jungle Cruise, I like that. I like these rides that they're turning into movies uh, with star casts. You, you are. The, America does not quite feel the same way. Okay. Well, they're it's, wrong, probably. It's not so making a lot of money. I'll have my, uh, I'll have my verdict. You're going to get. You're going to. Yeah. Oh, you're going tonight. Uh, wow. Yes. <laughs> That's bold. <laughs> All right, thanks today to um, Eno Saris. Thanks also to Kyle Verbitsky, Lizzie Colson, and to Chip Carey. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Oh, my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Mike Schilt, former Cardinals manager, scheduled to join us tomorrow. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Jack Flaherty. We'll stop with Bowie. Um, okay. We'll check in with uh, Kyle Burnovich. Oh, okay. Yeah, we get right. Kyle's this week. But. That's true. We haven't done a lot of Kyle's. We've talked to Kyle Burnovich a couple times over the years. And stuff and things. things. Got to try to check in with the PLL. Okay. <laughs> Screw that up. We got, uh, you know, they're coming here. We should do that. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Superbook. Great to have them on board. Visit Baltimore Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, Glory Days Grill, Dorchester County, the Bowie Bay Sox. Sorry, Carlos Tavera. I, I missed. Uh, I missed. Uh, wow, way different, to, different picture. Way to from screw Bowie. everything up. Yes, I know. Royal Farms, Costas Inn, the Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, Easy Pass MD, Washington County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us Twitter, Instagram. Oh, and Andrew Stecka's tomorrow. What the hell are we oh, doing? Yeah, yeah. That's that we'll the whole Stecka. thing. He's got to eat a worm burger and get stink faced, and it's gonna be a day. We gonna have a day tomorrow. All right. Uh, Yeah, at Glenn Clark Radio, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Have a great Wednesday night. Go Birds. Duke sucks.